As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. PA and Charge. The Beaver. PA and Charge. Nine to noon. So that would be an L for today. Football feast. No love for my Golden State Warriors. Hashtag Faith Radio. From Philly Folly to Georgia Jolly. From FML to the ATL. PA and Charge. On with that Friday football feast. 901, PA in charge. I'm thinking of those days go by now. So music in the air. Life was good than it. Welcome back to the show. We dance without a care. Jerk ass! There I met you. Paul, it's a pleasure to be with you today. on a Friday. Norgo produces Yes. Brian Heating and Cooling Studios, hello. Congratulations to the red, white, and blue of hockey immortality. Eller for the draw! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. That was funky. Highlight courtesy of FED1500, PA in charge, courtesy of FM100.3, the fan. Good morning, Charchi. The Capitals are Stanley Cup champions. They are, and, a th- and really a thrilling series, although you, know, you wouldn't know by the game win total, but every game was fantastic. Yes. Up and down the ice, Up tons and down. of offense. It was it was thrilling to watch every game, and I only wish that Vegas had been able to win a couple more so that we could have seen more hockey. Eric Nordquist, you have been monitoring the pulse of Rube Nation while yours truly was out of pocket for four days. With the Washington Capitals beating Eric Halla, Alex Tuck, yeah. and the expansion Las Vegas Golden Knights, do you feel the most hardcore of Minnesota Wild fans can now breathe a proverbial sigh of relief that a team with your former players doesn't roll into the NHL 
and after just one crack, get all that booty. I think they absolutely can breathe a sigh of relief, uh, given the fact that there's some bitterness around Mr. Howla and Mr. Tuck playing games in April, May, and June while Wild fans are sweating the new GM and what big trades or core players might leave. I think with Ovechkin raising that cup, I think hockey fans should be happy with what uh, they were able to witness in this five-game series. T.J. Oshie was very emotional after the game. My dad, uh, oh boy, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't remember uh, a lot of stuff uh, these days. He remembers enough, but I tell you what, he's here tonight. I don't know where he's at, but uh, this one will stick with him forever. You can guarantee that. T.J. Oshie's father has Alzheimer's, mm. and just just reading between the line on, uh, lines on what he just said, like you heard it. My dad doesn't remember much, yeah, but he will remember this. And T.J. wiped tears from his eyes. It was an extreme. Not only was it an extremely good game and/or series, mm-hmm. it was very emotional after the game. You got T.J. with that. Alex Ovechkin had that proverbial. Mountain removed from his broad shoulders. For sure. For being that guy, one of the greats in the history of the game, to never house the crown. Which we thought was going to be the case. Right. He's emotional. You got got, uh, Coach Barry Trotz. Interviewed after the game, looking like the guy uh, you pass go and um, and Barry Trotz pays you two hundred dollars in Monopoly. And I'm looking at him; it's like community chess terrorism. They should have had a monocle, right? And uh, so then he's he's like, these guys have been through so much, yeah. And he's talking about like the last six, seven, eight years of Capitals hockey. And then I'm thinking, Boudreau must Boudreau. be watching it, going, Mother, exactly, Mother. Is he talking about me? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's hard not to see it that way. When you saw it, when they kept showing the thousands of people that were in the stadium in Washington and on the streets in Washington, yeah. how do you not think to yourself, everybody listening right now, now yeah. think to yourself, what would it be like here? Right. I mean, if they're doing that in Washington, a run-of-the-mill hockey town. I wow. mean, it's you know, it's not that they're a bad hockey town, right. but they're not here. Right? What would it mean here? I, I just, it, it, it's hard to know. It, it, it's hard to even consider. We haven't. We are now. By the way, now that Cleveland is winning championships. Yeah. Now that Washington <laughs> is winning championships. Any day now. We are. We are in the stink hole. We have no. We don't even have a finals appearance God. in twenty-seven years, Paul. That is the that is the lifespan of many of our listeners. That it's we we are right now. We are the losingest town, or the least we have the least winning town in American sports. It's us. We're on the Schneid right now. We got to change it. The football team got close four times in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. The hockey team got close one time in like the last fifteen years. Yeah. The basketball team got close one time one in time. the last fifteen years. The baseball team never gets close anymore. No. Nope. And that's the core four. So nine to noon and the Philly loving feast is not disrespecting or forgetting the Minnesota Lynx. I understand. Yeah. God we're, God, we're bla- God bless the Lynx. Yes. Great win last night. Hopefully you get that record on the winning side and you house another crowd. Right. We are discussing the core four. Right. Because in all of these markets, they discuss the core one, two, three, or four. 
We are blessed to have four. Correct. Four professional sports teams, and the core four is letting us down. We are. And- we're we're the smallest market to have all four, but I don't even I don't think that should matter. We um we ought to be able to win, have a championship more than once every twenty seven. Damn! And now that uh, now the Washington, uh, what was the prior Washington championship? Redskins ninety one here, I think was the prior Washington. Yeah. Prior Washington, I think was, was Skins. Uh, Skins Buffalo. Skins Bills at the Dome. That's the Thurman Thomas game at wow. the Metrodome here in Minnesota. Time to get off the Schneid up in the Biatch. Mm-hmm. Time it to is get off the Schneid, Charchi. You know, and well, we did the core four the, bit last week. We did. We talked Loserville last week, Ugh. and it didn't even really dawn on me that we are on the precipice of taking the mantle Come and on. owning it as the longest running city to not have a championship, and the fact that we haven't even made the finals. In any of these, in any of the last 27 years is ridiculous. So when it comes to the core four and rooting to not only, I mean, obviously winning it would be super sweet, but at least to get there, does it all come down to this? It does, Paul. Is that what it is? It is. It's our only hope. I mean, it's it's our best hope for sure. Twins ain't winning the World Series. Probably Uh, not. I mean, nice win against the White Sox. Sorry about the other two. In the series, yeah, but they're not. I mean, with the Astros and the Yankees and just the whole bit, they're not winning the World Series. No. So then we are next in line. I mean, Vikings mandatory minicamp is next week. Charge. Paul, and then the five and a half week chill, and then guess what? You and I are at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center executing our toil right. in front of the cultivation of getting the core four off the Schneid, which would yeah. Look, the Vikings are our best chance. Obviously, they got to the championship game. The Wolves getting out of the West, that's not going to happen. You know, no time soon can the Wolves compete. And even more so if LeBron goes to L.A., which is a conversation I want later today. Whoa. Yes. Well, I mean, you've seen, You've. I assume Hold that on, even in Vegas, back. you saw the you saw the many reports about LeBron going to L.A. Did not. Yes. Well, that's a thing now. What about Kevin Durant opting out of his deal in Golden State and coming here? I always <laughs> love that. <laughs> Chip chair chance. Yeah. Kevin, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Wiggins, Teague, and you. Well, then we'll talk. Now we got a squad. Then we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got a squad. Think we don't? We squad. The team. Squad. Wouldn't that be something? Sweet. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it is. It's sort of bittersweet right now. Thank God for the links. There's that. On the, um, on the Friday football feast today mm-hmm. uh, at 935, Peter Vesey. Basketball, writing, and TV immortality. Uh, he discusses the NBA Finals and uh, maybe that LeBron James to Los Angeles topic uh, on which charts just broach. Mm-hmm. Peter Vesey, 30 minutes from now. Uh, Ron Flatter from the Vegas Stats and Information Network uh, from Elmont, New York, and Belmont Park on the Belmont Stakes. And uh, our guys in the cornfields, Brian Aragoni and uh, Kevin Gorg in studio 1055 on hockey and horses. Paul Charchi and Fanball.com. I'm Paul Allen, Nordo Produces. Good morning. It's 9 to noon. PA and Charge. The game is over. Programming on the fan, brought to you in part by Bradshaw and Bryant. Warner Stallion. Weekend whip around, 9 to noon. Let's start with the Minnesota Twins, PA. They destroyed the White Sox yesterday with a complete game effort from Jose Barrios. 
Lance Lynn goes for the Twins tonight. They host the Angels over the weekend. Shohei Otani developed another nasty blister on his hand from pitching Wednesday. Might be day-to-day, might not be part of the mix. Uh, 7-10 first pitch tonight, four and a half games back in the division. A couple of 1 p.m.ers over the weekend, PA. Best of luck to everybody involved. Yours truly being in the 702 for four, ga- four days. I watched more baseball over three and a half days than A. Abner Doubleday ever watched when he invented the game. Or Aaron Gleeman. Or Aaron Gleeman. It was unbelievable (laughs) how much I watched and how much nuance I I now have on baseball. For instance, Cleveland at home, the way they they hit the ball at home and win games at home. I mean, it's like puncher's chance at best. We get Polanco back. You get Buxton back. Maybe you get Maurer back. Uh, uh, maybe Big Irv comes back in July and you make a run, it's just going to be very difficult to get by this Cleveland team because of how well this Cleveland team plays at home. Your guy a few nights ago, Corey Kluber, oh my God, is he good. He good. Best of luck to everybody involved. Game four, Cavs and Warriors this evening. If anything's going to happen for LeBron and the Cavs, it's got to be tonight, 8 p.m. on ABC. Uh, they're down 3 nothing in the series, PA. It's clear to most, including myself. Series is probably over. But one last game in Cleveland for LeBron, maybe. Will he want to leave the city with one last W and get me paid from Paul Charchian? More on that post-whip. Go for baseball, Super Regional. The road to Omaha starts today. Uh, it's 4 p.m., not on the fan. Game 2 tomorrow and Game 3 on Sunday, if necessary, will be on the fan. Uh, it's Gophers in Corvallis trying to smash the Beavers of Oregon State. 4 p.m. again today. Best of three series. The winner will head to the College World Series in Omaha. Sky Yuma, Mike Grimm. Sky Yuma. And lastly, you mentioned him last segment. Cheers to the Lady Lynx for getting the Mystics yesterday afternoon in the Capitol. The losing skid ends. They're 3-5. and five. Still a lot of work to do. But catch them tomorrow at 1 p.m. They're headed to Connecticut to face the Sun. Uh, the Sun are 6-1, and one, hotter than the surface of the Sun right now. Go Lynx tomorrow at 1 p.m. What about Scarves Up? Scarves Up is off. What? Uh, they were victorious in the U.S. Open Cup game on Wednesday. They're next up in Houston June 18th. Okay. Uh, but they have a little bit of a break here that they uh, they strategically placed. 9 to noon, and uh, yours truly loves my KitchenAid appliances. Got them at Warner Stellion. Likewise for my Napoleon Grill. Warner Stellion rules the roost when it comes to appliances and grills. You will love everything. You will love the financing. And you will love the customer service. WarnerStellion.com. Warner Stellion Weekend Whip Around comes to a conclusion. 3-2 base. Producer kind of needs the caps a little bit tonight, doesn't he, Charchi? Uh, Rich, I, get richer! Uh-huh. It's lo- I like my chances yeah. right now. Okay. I like my chances. Now, well, you know I, why you should like your chances? When you made this bet last week. Was yeah. it last week? Last, uh, well, it was it was after right, game was one. Right after game one. After game one, Cleveland pushes Golden State to the wire. That's right. J.R. Smith goes to the moron card. Correct. Warriors look great in overtime, parlayed it into a great performance in game two. Right. And in game three... I guess they were kind of on the grind a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, predictably, Cleveland in the first half, with uh, the the world against it and at home, yeah, Cleveland fired bullets. Right, you know, had a decent little, cute little lead in the first half. 
and then immortality came storming by like it was tied to a post. Well, and Durant in particular. It was over as soon as Kevin Durant, down nine, final seconds of the first half, and he daggered that long three-pointer at the buzzer to make it a six-point gap at the half. The game was over then. They didn't know it. They had to play out the final two quarters. (laughs) But that was over in that moment. Unbelievable. It kind of was. And they took a a cold-shooting game from Thompson and Steph. Didn't even matter. It didn't matter. It ended up being pretty one-sided the whole rest of the way, and Durant was just uh, unconscious. So now you, the producer, $100 straight bet. Yes. The Warriors this evening, I don't know what the number is. Got no idea what the money line is. Feels like it should be. They're four-and-a-half-point favorites currently. Okay, Golden State four-and-a-half. Minus 185 on the money line. If you were still in 702, what would you do with that? I'd have to think it out during the course of the day. Uh, Cleveland was Cleveland was supported significantly Wednesday evening by, as they call in the desert, sharp money. Mm. Uh, the line started at five. Yep. It closed at Golden State minus three. Mm. So a lot of Cleveland point spread yeah. under and money line money came in all during that day. Whoops! And it's a Wednesday in June in Las Vegas, so it's not tourist money in mass. It's not, you know, it's not a football Sunday with a bunch of tourists in from all over the country right. supporting their favorite team yeah. with $10,000 wagers. Right. So the Sharps supported the Cavs significantly in game three, and they got beat. Uh, so this evening, it comes down to this. How professional will Cleveland be this evening to extend the series and get a tri- trip back to Oakland Davy? And how much does it mean to Golden State to win the series, not Matt, don't care where it is. It's on the road. You've done it before. Yep. Or do you want to close in front of your fans this weekend? <laughs> no team ever, <laughs> ever does that where they're like, you know what? We're yeah. going to tank one to bring it back. We don't need this. I'm not saying tank one, but human nature could be you're up 3 0. We're mm-hmm. not losing the series. Kevin Durant, even in interviews recently, has mentioned when he was pushed on during the postseason, even the series at times, yeah. there have been patches. It's been tough for you guys to get going. And he goes, and that is true. And he said, because nothing's new. I mean, for these guys, it's less new. Mm. There's nothing new. No. I mean, in a roundabout way, he's insinuating, we know we have the best players assembled, and it's not even close. It's not close. So we're going to win. But it, there's nothing new with what's transpiring now, and that's why I'm not sweating tonight, man. I mean, if they what do come you mean? out, if you they should come, be sweating. No, I'm not sweating. Okay, if I have to give you a hundred dollars, it's going to really, really hurt me to do that. Rich get richer. Uh, Rich get richer. That sucks. Goes right on Twitter. I'm no. taking the diapers off your babies. <laughs> but if if they if they come out swinging, as in Cleveland, yeah. and it's like a ten point deficit. Midway through the third quarter, shots not working for KD like it did in Game Three. Yeah, they can just kind of chill. I mean, they're saying, okay, we might not have it tonight. Let's not push it. Iggy's still a little bit hurt, so let's keep him on the bench. Right. Okay, let's start mixing in a yeah. lot more. You know, of the of the bench types. Let's give Javale McGee yeah. some more minutes tonight before we head back and clinch. They'll they'll just kind of drift off into the sunset. I'll make my hundred dollars, and it'll be a thirty point blowout in Game Five back in the Bay. Uh, it would be in that scenario, but l- here's let me give you this. I think more plausible scenario of how t- uh, it, the game's tonight, right? Yeah, tonight's game's going to go. Yeah, you getting a one hundred dollar bill, taking a picture of it with scraps mounting pepper, and putting <laughs> it on Twitter, saying Nordo, I got your money. 
<laughs> I, I, I really hope it doesn't come to that. Although, my inclination would be to, if I lose this bet, would be to... Lose the bet? If I lose the bet... There's zero chance. There's zero chance. Te- teams... What do you mean, zero chance? It's, oh, remember, it's oh, just the, a, bet the bet this is to, evening. I'm the sorry. bet is to sweep, yeah, not, right. to, not to Got win. Got it. Thank I you. Have, this whole thing is still a coin flip's chance. Muy mal. All right. I, I believe the right thing to do is to pay the $100 in the form of Old Crow whiskey. That's five bottles of Old Crow. Well, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, that's, I mean, right there. And and honestly, if I pay the tax, really, I'll be, it'll be more than $100. Okay. And that would set up Nordo for at least this weekend. So, yeah, I if think... If you lose. If I lose. Right. If I lose the $100 bet, I think five so bottles just come, of Old Crow. So, you have a minus 185 tonight at even money. I do. Is That's why you're an entrepreneur. Okay, and we're not. <laughs> he has a minus 185 at even money. We have much to learn. You, for your 100, if you're in the 702 with Brent Musburger, you can, if you liked Cleveland tonight... You could put 100 to scoop 265. Yeah, it's 160 right now. Yeah. yeah. Or to scoop 260 of Planet Hollywood's money. Correct. Instead, you have one to win one. Yeah. That's why he's an entrepreneur. It makes sense. And we're not. So tonight's game, here's what I think will happen is... Wait, you have a problem tonight. I do. Yeah, because in backs against the wall scenarios, honestly, who of anybody in the history of the NBA would you prefer to have than George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, and Larry Nance. <laughs> I always love that. When one. the chips yeah, are putting Kyle Corver in yeah. that mix, by the way. When you're that's trying right. to not lose 100, I that's mean, you right. got to have Kyle Corver on your when side. When the chips are down, that's when Jeff Green yeah. digs deep. No doubt. That's what he's known for. Yeah. Is his, 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 his back against the wall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, play today yeah. mentality. Uh, that's, that's where I think this thing is going to go belly up. Mm. Because at some point in this game, Steph will hit his shots. Yeah. Clay will hit his shots. Durant will hit his shots. Mm-hmm. Draymond will get his dunks. And the Cavs are going to be looking at each other for somebody who's going to step up. LeBron will be there like he always is, and there's literally nobody else. LeBron will have a 50-plus point game tonight. <laughs> he, may, he might, actually, and lose. He will. You know, Steve he had Kerr, a 50-point game in Week 1. And, Steve game Kerr, one is so, the coach of the Warriors, is so in search of stimulation. For, first of all, he never stands up during the game. He sits down in his yeah. chair almost the whole game. He gets up occasionally to bitch at a ref. Stretch a little bit. But you think about super special Tibbs <laughs> and how much he's up and yes. yelling and gyrating yes. and, and, and orchestrating and, and micromanaging every ounce, every iota of every possession. And he's yeah. still in awful physical shape, by the way. And Kerr sits back and Kerr is so in search of stimulation. I'm watching game three and I'm like, Steve Kerr is starting JaVale McGee. But why? Because he needs stimulation. (laughs) He just wants to see see what happens. It's the NBA Finals. I think I'll start JaVale just to see what happens. He goes long stretches playing Bell and and Looney, playing these two for long stretches just to see what it looks like. I mean, it's the ultimate. It's like going to fanball.com and playing the daily fantasy baseball bit Mm -hmm. and just like mixing and matching just to have fun in a $1 league. Yeah, what if I only used half my budget and see what happens? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, Steve Kerr is on the ultimate free roll when you have Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, yeah. Iguodala, Livingston. He's on the he's on the free roll of life. 
<laughs> he just he started JaVale McGee for no apparent reason other than just to do, <laughs> to do it, it in the NBA Finals. Could it's ridiculous. You, could you coach that team to a victory tonight? Yes. I think you could, too. Absolutely. You could. Because I'd, I'd stay out of the way. That's right. I did, just... The assistant, Mike Brown, I mean, he took over for, for Kerr for an entire season. Yeah. When he hurt his back, it'd be like, Mike, I mean, I know this is the bit that I'm doing, but go ahead and do the whole thing. <laughs> and I just sit back in Steve <laughs> Kerr's spot and yell at Ken Maurer five times, and that's it. That's it. That's the whole game. Speaking of basketball, Peter Vesey joins us next. It's P.A. in charge. You know, we believe in each other so much and we've worked so hard that you just know who's there in the foxhole with you. And, and, and you know, that's a confident feeling. On the fan. Hey, Peter Vesey, it's Paul Allen. Welcome to the Twin Cities and uh, KFAN Radio. How are you? I'm good. Good. How you doing? Good. Peter Vesey at Peter Vesey one via Twitter. Longtime uh, NBA analyst. Nice enough to join the nine to noon radio show with uh, PA in charge. And uh, this evening, is it absolutely over? This evening is Golden State like a ninety percent winner tonight, Peter? I learned early in my career that it's not over till the fat lady sings. So. Dick Mata. Dick Mata. Exactly. And I covered that series. Right. Um. Well, they are home. Um, I don't think that uh, LeBron will feel about losing anything swept out of his own arena uh, in possibly his last game you know, for the team. So um, I, I won't say over. it should be over. You know, the Warriors are a better team, obviously. And, um, you know, when I when – I, Covered when I covered the games and you know wrote about the, you know the finals. I I always, without fail, um, I always rooted for the team that won the first game of the finals. <laughs> I always I always rooted for okay now we have three more we go home. You know, so <laughs> yeah. it's a long season. So I know where I would be tonight. Um, you know, sticking pins sticking pins in the Cavaliers. Hey Peter, you bring up the. Um... The the phrase from late seventies, Dick Mata, former Washington Bullets coach, the opera the opera ain't over till the fat lady sings. Now, in the few times I get the privilege to have you on the radio show during the year, we 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 we, we will sway the way of old school occasionally. And with this one, was it Mata saying that in in a Bullets Spurs or Bullets Sixer series? Um, no, I believe it was, uh, the Sonics. Yeah, I believe it was the Sonics. Yeah. Yeah. In the finals. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it was the definitely could have been the Spurs. They, uh, because they were down three, one. Right. And, um, and, and when they were playing the Sixers coached by Billy Cunningham, uh, I think it was Bill. Was it Billy Cunningham, the coach? Yeah. Yeah. And and yes. Doctor J, Caldwell Jones, Daryl Dawkins, uh, Bobby Jones, man, that uh, those were some good old days. <laughs> How old are you? Five two. Five two. You're a rookie for crying. <laughs> what do you mean, Peter? I just rattled off five names, top of my head. Yeah, I got your rookie card. <laughs> and Lloyd Free, uh, Paul. Uh, Tur- you know, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I I was say, talking to somebody yesterday. Uh, Bobby Jones, you know, talking about ABA players who, who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. 
And I know Bobby's been nominated numerous times, and he only had two years in the ABA, but I still consider him an ABA player, played with, you know, David Thompson and, and Issa with the Nuggets. But do you know, do you know that he, he, uh, made all team, first team all league defense yep. nine times? Wow. I mean, and he's not in the Hall of Fame? Who, who made, who made it? Nine times. They brag about you make it once. Look at that. Yeah. Nine times uh, up here in the cornfields. We can't even get Carl Anthony Towns to stop Clint Capella one time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, the co-host is Paul Charchi, and he'd like to chat with you. Hi, Peter. Uh, what do you make of the Brian Colangelo thing? This is totally unprecedented. We've never seen anything quite like this before. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I won't even pretend to understand this world anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not surprised that, you know, somebody would do that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I still write a column once a week and, uh, I know, and, and you mentioned I'm on Twitter and I know that there are people, a fact, that there are people who follow me on Twitter, uh, under, under aliases. Yeah. And, uh, even my best friends who don't have aliases, I don't know why they do it. Uh, just to throw out stuff that nobody can accuse them of, you know, being a racist or something. I don't know. I don't know why they do it. But these these executives in the league that do it, I understand why they do it because they they want to monitor, you know, stuff that I'm writing, but they don't want people to know that they're following me. So so they do it. And uh, so so Brian, you know, did he did he know for a fact that uh, his wife was you know, had these three accounts? Um, I, I would have to say, you know, yes. But when nobody, but when nobody points out, I think it's important. Is that uh, I, I know Barbara, his wife, uh, since before they were married. She worked for the NBA. Hmm. Uh, she worked in the international department, and uh, so I, and I've known Brian since he was about fifteen. Hmm. Um, but what nobody points out is that they're separated. They haven't. They haven't lived together for you know two years or so. She's wow. in Toronto. She's in Toronto. Wow. Okay. And Interesting. He's, and he's in Philadelphia. So well, Peter, you know, doesn't that mean maybe, doesn't that mean it's all the more likely that he was really the person doing most of this? Yeah. No. No. I don't. I don't believe he he did tweet it. Um, but but he's saying he didn't know anything about it. I you know I I find that hard to believe. But on the other hand. She did have this. A lot of this, a lot of this information came from him. So, did it come from him? Um, you know, she's living in Toronto with her, her her daughter. Her son is now in college. Or, you know, did Brian talk to his son a lot and throw stuff at him, and then he told his mother and she defended him? Or, as I said on this radio show yesterday, he. You know, did she was she defending him or was she setting him up? <laughs> well, yeah. Now that would be that would be amazing That's if the awesome. whole thing was a setup by a disgruntled soon to be ex wife. Oh yeah. man! Uh, yeah, look, I don't even know where you know where where it got, where it is. I I haven't seen either one of them you know since I retired. But um, you know, I, I I would I would suspect that she was defending them, even though they're they're not together. Uh, are they? You know, I use the word separated. Uh, a friend of mine who who filled me in on all this said, you know, you got to be a little careful with. They are separate, 
but I don't know if they're separated. You know, it's like mm. one of those deals. Okay. I, and if you've been married, if you've been married, you do understand that kind of stuff. You know, I, I've been through it too. I, I was saying that if, if it was my first wife, it was a serious. I would have said she was definitely, definitely set me up. That would have been her protocol. But uh, <laughs> because because when we were together and she got angry at me, she would feed me, you know, uh, a chopped glass and my meatballs. So, uh, you know. This, <laughs> So this would something right up her alley, but but I you know I, I I feel bad you know because you know I do know them both and you know I know I know their uh, I know his you know his strengths and his weaknesses and uh, you know he he is very secure insecure person and he's, he's he's angry about you know a lot of things and you know he shouldn't be angry about anything. Yeah, um, I think I think Brian is still angry at his father for selling the team out from under him. Seriously, the Suns. I bet he was very very upset when that happened, and he had to work for Robert Sarver, which you know a lot of people you know would rather be unemployed. <laughs> and then well, he is unemployed, and they may be unemployable, and um, so so it all it all goes to his wife. And you know, I'm going to say something else. I don't know this. At all, the total death. But I wouldn't doubt if his son, who's 19 and he's in Chicago now, he mm-hmm. plays ball for a team. I wouldn't doubt if he was hit was on one of those burners. It, well, you know, it, it's possible. I mean, we know these burner accounts are following his school, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, it's not unprecedented. You've had a lot of NBA contacts over the years. It's not unprecedented for front office executives to leak damaging information about their own players. And I, I imagine that's you've seen this happen many times. It's just Twitter makes it it's a, just a different avenue. In the old days, you had to leak it to a Peter Vesey and hope that Peter Vesey never, you know, never ratted you out. You know, now you can well, do it uh, anonymously know, on Twitter. Paul, it's Paul, right? Yes, Paul and Paul. You hit it right on the head. I, mean, I, I said this yesterday on the show. It, it's exactly right. You know, what if... What if that happened, you know, some guy told me something and, uh, you know, in confidence, and I used it, and then, wait a minute, the, you know, would say, wait a minute, how, how would he have gotten this? Let's find, let's get to the bottom of this. Who, you know, and they track it down, and the guy's fired. You know, it happened with Joe Dumas uh, in, in Detroit. He was leaking stuff to Wojo, and they set him up. They knew somebody was leaking stuff, and they set them up. The, the leak sent out a, sent out a uh, you know whatever confidential report. He leaked it, <laughs> and they tracked it to him. And you you do you remember this? No, but it's spectacular. Please keep going. He got fined five hundred thousand dollars. Oh, good God! Oof. And and Rare so money. yeah, so and you know that could be a, a real big reason why Joe is not in the league anymore. So once he was fired from Detroit, he never got back in. And he's a guy that, you know, Hall of Fame, you know, championship, um, you know, won a title, won a title as the GM, you know, with with the Pistons uh, as a player and a a GM, not in the league. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a point. I... um, Again, another great point you make is that a lot of a lot of GMs, a lot of coaches, a lot of team presidents, a lot of executives um, leak stuff 
on their players. Yeah. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an example Ooh. because I've printed it over the years and, uh, I've never, I'll finish it at the end. So when Doc Rivers coached for Orlando, God, I hope I can remember the player's name. Yeah. Uh, he took me aside one day and said, you know, uh, Armstrong, uh, he said, Armstrong, oh, he makes himself out to be this, you know, real team player. And he said, you know, you should have heard me in the locker room the other day. And I, I looked at Doc Rivers, who, you know, I covered him as a player, and uh, you know, we're pretty tight. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him, and I've never spoken to him again. And I, and I printed it, you know, not at that moment, but I did print it later on about what kind of person does this. His yeah. guy who's supposed to be, a, you know, protecting his players, he's putting himself right out there. He wanted me to print that. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I've never had any respect for him since. And on the, on the, and, and that worked in many, many different ways. You know, a lot of people over the years, but I'm giving you one that really happened. Uh, I don't mind naming them because I, I just yeah. don't like them. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, on the other hand, um, you know, when I covered Red Holzman, um, Nick's coach, he, uh, he would never, he would never say anything negative about one of his players. He would never. He might say he might say something negative about Red Arback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and and I always told people that man, he is tough to cover. Very tough to cover. He doesn't give you any information. But I really respect him. And 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 to, to this day I do. And he always and the players always respect him. I remember Neil Walk when he came from New Orleans. Barnett, Henry Dizzy. And um, he came to the Knicks, and like almost immediately, maybe you know, ten, fifteen games into into the into uh, his tour, there, he he told me that, and this Holzman, he's unbelievable. I never had a coach like this. And what do you mean? He says he'll, you'll go in the locker room after a game if you're messed up the, the, as individually as a player, and he will light you up, he'll light up the team, and then he'll open the door. To, the, to meet the press outside, and he will say nothing that even resembles <laughs> what he just said to us. <laughs> so he said the players really, really, you know, respect him for that, and and I always did. And and um, he, he's the kind of guy that uh, I was coming over from the ABA to cover the championship team. I came over from seventy three, four, one. Seventy and seventy three, and uh, so I'm an ABA guy, and he used to ask me questions all the time. We get to the bus, you know, ten fifteen minutes early, team bus, and he we'd stand outside of the bus, and he'd ask me questions about, you know, hey, what do you think, Moses Malone, Maurice Lucas, I think this guy like that, and I would tell him, you know, I tell him what stuff I heard in the league because I was, you know, really one of the first guys that was, you know, trying to find out stuff. All he, he just he would grill me, you know. And then I and then I swear it became it became a routine after a while. And then I'd say, "Hey, Red, what?" You know, I'd ask a question about his team. He goes, "He, Pete, you know, I don't talk about my players." <laughs> and I would laugh and I get on the bus and you know. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much for the conversation and enjoy your summer. Okay. All right. Good. Good talking. It's to been you guys. a blast. Thank yeah. you. Good luck, Peter Vesey, longtime NBA analyst.
Uh, I mean, it was NBC, it was New York newspapers, so on. You bet. Skull Stories. At Peter Vesey one via Twitter. And those were stories from the lap of <laughs> Uncle Peter. Peter. <laughs> How about that? He's Uncle got Peter. your Ricky card. Uncle Norv. Yes. Peaches O'Leary. Barry Trotz. <laughs> uh, Barry Trotz last night's like, God, these guys have been through a lot. They've been through so much. We just tried to reconfigure things and just get it all squared away. Boudreaux's like, mother! Ah, honey! Mother! I mean, what a... what. That was a that was a story from the lap of Uncle Peter. It was. Uh, he went old school on a lot of that stuff. Hey. It was uh, it was fun to hear the perspective though, and he's still funny. He hates Doc Rivers. I, yeah, I, I don't never respect Doc Rivers. No, never. I have no How about problem that? mentioning him by name because, <laughs> yes. well, I don't like him. I don't like him. <laughs> my first wife would have left. Uh, would have left. <laughs> broken glass, glass in my, my meatballs. meatballs. <laughs> Shattered glass in my meatballs. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, he's he goes down the road of... Now, Brian Colangelo, Colangelo, yeah, his wife may have set up these burner accounts, but here's what you need to know. They're separated. <laughs> now, it's not like they're separated legally. They just they live in different places, different domiciles. Really. Okay. Yeah, and for anybody who's, uh, anybody who's married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me tell you a story about my first wife. <laughs> right. She hated me so much, she would have left shattered glass in my meatballs. Maybe that's what they're going through. I mean, is that a stream of consciousness? Is it a diatribe? What What is it? That's stream of consciousness more than a diatribe. I think a diatribe is when you, you've you got it all planned out. Yeah. You know, I've got this speech I'm going to give, and I'm going to yeah. hit these points. And that's, that, the end, your, th- that's the long play. I think that's your diatribe right there. Now, what he's got to do is stop using Lavelle's phone. That's the next step for, for Peter Vesey. Stop uh, borrowing Lavelle's phone. Uh, let's uh, let's handicap the uh, Belmont Stakes. Justify tries to sweep the Triple Crown. Uh, we will go to Belmont Park and uh, chat with our friend Ron Flatter next. It's PA in charge on the fan. Fill out your very own backyard makeover wish list from our friends at Patio Town. You can sign up now for your chance to win a $25,000 backyard makeover. Get to KFAN.com, type in the keyword contest to enter. Vegas Stats and Information Network. It's uh, your guys in the cornfields. PA in charge. How you doing? <laughs> My guys in the cornfield. I like that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, PA charge. It's great. It's seventy six degrees here and sunny, and uh, on Long Island in New York. And we're just looking at a, a, a wonderful opportunity to see a second Triple Crown winner uh, in the last uh, three years. The second one in the last thirty nine years too. Uh, but I really wonder if it's going to happen for Justify. With um, with you working with Brent Musburger and my guys in the desert, South Point Casino Hotel, Vegas Stats and Information Network, with me being, I was just in your town Sunday night yeah. through yesterday morning. So okay. Wednesday, I made it a point to trek 10 minutes south of the Strip, to or whatever, t- 10 minutes off the Strip to go to South Point to meet Brent. And, and mm-hmm. I met Brent before the show. Uh, my, the the person with whom uh, I went on the trip, Wabi, and I met Brent. We were both excited about it. Chatted with him for forty five minutes. Do do you working with him four or five days a week? 
I mean, do you still have a great appreciation for the immortality that is Brent Musburger? Yeah, I've known him for 26 years, and we worked together starting at ESPN Radio when we uh, took his sports beat show that used to be on CBS and moved it over there. And that was where I picked up working with him. So the short answer to your question is yes, because when I step away, it's like, gee, this Brent, big deal, Musburger, for crying out loud. (laughs) But he's been a friend for so long that it takes on a whole new context. And so there's a whole different light in which I see him, and I'm sure he sees me. Gambling is at such a different level when you're like around the people who work with Vegas Stats and Information Network, or if you're sitting somewhere in the world behind your computer watching games, or if you're just in Las Vegas from a recreational standpoint. For instance, this Wednesday, you know, yours truly and and my friend, we have a massive win wager on the Atlanta Braves. And the line had gone down from minus 130 for the Braves all the way around to the Padres being minus 110. So we're talking to the to the my guys and the desert guys, and it's like right when we brought it up, why such a big line change? They kind of giggled at each other and rattled off seven things we didn't know about the game that right. led to the line change, and, mm-hmm. and the line change was right because the Sharps got paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you see the move, you start to think, okay, what happened? What led to it? And you try to stay ahead of that, uh, especially if you want to try and get a price. I'll give you a great example. Yeah. Uh, was uh, during, well, the hockey just that just got done. And this was a little more slow motion. Uh, I was coming back from the Preakness, and when I'd landed, Washington had just lost Tampa Bay to go down three games to two. But the Capitals were coming home. Vegas was the only team left in the West, and so it already punched its ticket to the final. You had three teams left in the futures. So Vegas was taking us essentially all the, the Western money. And so it was left to the East, and Washington was nine to one to win the Stanley Cup. Wow, nine to yeah. one! So I just gotten back into town, and I pounded it. <laughs> I pound. I dropped the C note on that so fast it wasn't even funny. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh. So now, now get now. Here's what happens. Yeah. So now we're moving forward, and I'm figuring out how am I going to hedge this. And my thought was, all right, if the Knights, if the Golden Knights fall behind in the series, they're going to be plus money. And the moment that happens, I'm going to hedge it. Yeah. And and people and it's the same thing, Paul. People are looking at me, go, "Why would you do this now?" And I said, "Because I can guarantee myself five hundred dollars either way on this bad boy." And that's right. what I wound up getting. Uh, Ron Flatter at Ron Flatter via Twitter, F L A T T E R. I uh, works with the Vegas Stats and Information Network. He also has an excellent horse racing podcast. You can learn more about that via his Twitter feed at Ron Flatter. Ron. I think Justify yeah. is not going to win. And you sort of intimated that, you know, just maybe it's just a tone of voice thing, but it's uh, there was a suggestion in your voice that maybe you're with me on this. I think there's a lot of reason for skepticism on Justify. What do you think? It goes to the eye test, charge. Eye test versus the ear test. The eye test tells you that he was looked like he was coming back to the pack at the end of the Preakness. Correct. And if the race had been 550 yards longer, as the Belmont Stakes will be, Yep. He loses the race and maybe doesn't even hit the board. Right. So there's that. That's the one. That's the first thing. Now, it was a sloppy track. It's probably going to be a fast track tomorrow. The hint of rain we had earlier in the week looks like it's going to be completely out of the forecast now. The other side of this, though, is the ear test. And the ear test comes from Mike Smith and Bob Baffert. And Baffert even admitted to me that I thought we were at the bottom of this horse looking at the end of the Preakness. But Mike Mm -hmm. Smith reassured him, the jockey reassured him, 
that, no, there was another gear there. He didn't see Bravazo and Tenfold coming off to the side and coming up to try and catch him, figured he was in safe ground, and he was. He did get to the wire first. Uh, but he said, if I had to, there was another gear, and Justify was ready to go again. And Baffert has, has bought into that, and so that's the ear test. So it depends on which one of those you believe. I trust our eyes, and, and I trust Baffert. I think we, I, that, that horse was spent at the end of that race, and, and you know, Mike Smith might think that he had another gear, but he doesn't know that because he didn't ask for the other gear. So I don't know if he knows that's the case or not. The Belmont will be Justify's sixth race in four months. And the other thing that worries me is, you know, he's had this. It, I think I think these sloppy tracks have worked to the advantage of an early speed horse like Justify, yes. who doesn't have to put up with the spray and the spatter and everything else. This is a ten horse field, and he's coming out of the out of the one spot. And what if you know? What if he's got a what if he's got to maneuver through a pack for the first time? He's had clear rides the last two times. I think there's a. I think there are a dozen variables. The extra length. You take the fact that he's raced so much. You take the fact that we don't know that he can weave his way through a pack. I don't. There's a lot of questions about Justify that that suggests to me that he is not he is not worth the four to five odds, Ron. Well, that's what it comes back to, and that's that's what I come back to, and it goes back to the whole thing. Why did I hedge on the Capitals with the Golden Knights? Why? Uh, why did I? You know, when the Warriors uh, there's a playoff game uh, earlier uh, this year. I think it was the Warriors uh, against the Cavaliers. It was either in the finals or against the Rockets, where I wound up middling it in mid game and got the payoff. Why do we do that? Because the numbers tell you to do that. And four to five, it's not worth a huge investment Mm-mm. for a horse that was coming back to the pack. And the other side of this is not just the dream trip he had in the two sloppy tracks. He's had a dream trip in all five of his races. Uh, so yep. if he doesn't get out of the gate, now look, if he doesn't get out of the gate, it's the first time he hasn't. If he gets out of the gate, he's got a rail, uh, a ground saving trip along the rail to get the lead. And then of course he can dictate the whole thing. The the other two horses in here that are going to have something to say about the pace uh, will be Restoring Hope, which is the stable mate of uh, Justify. Baffert blanches at the idea that he is there, Restoring Hope, to be a rabbit for Justify. Mm. But he will admit that he's there to keep Justify company. Justify being still a very green horse, 110 days right now removed from his first race, that he gets distracted, particularly early in races, whether it's tire tracks or Ferris wheels or whatever it might be, (laughs) that another horse will keep him company and keep him focused early in the race. The other horse, and this is one I'm actually casting some of my lot in, is Noble Indy, who's getting no respect here. And if you look at his Kentucky Derby, you understand why. He was awful in the Derby. But to me, his Louisiana Derby victory was underrated. He won a duel with Lone Sailor down the stretch. Noble Indy's going to be part of the pace scenario early. If it's slow fractions coming off the turn and the shortest straightaway to the finish line of any of the three Triple Crown races, Noble Indy's going to have the first shot at trying to catch Justify. So that's why there's a lot more complicated pace scenario, particularly charges you mentioned, on a dry track. Ron, what do, what do you know about Gronkowski? I mean, I see the six races in Great Britain. None of them mm-hmm. are against group company, so he's not... He's not exiting like group one, two, or three races, but um, I, I haven't broken down any of his races. Is is he early speed? The horse Gronkowski. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, he'll chase the pace a little bit. He'll be he'll be somewhere right off the lead. He'll try to do that. He's not. You can't be a closer in this race. There's no way you can win as a closer because there's just not enough time coming off the top of the stretch. The uh, Gronkowski's never raced more than a mile. He's only raced left turn once, and that was in a short sprint. 
mostly straightaways. The last four were on tapita surface, so it was uh, like a poly track. And uh, never in America, never on dirt. Now, he's been transferred from Jeremy Nosita to Chad Brown. They got him over here earlier than you might expect for a Belmont Stakes because, remember, he qualified for the Kentucky Derby through the European Trail, right. which is it's easier to go over there and get into the Derby than it is to come through here. So he went that route, and this is the first year they've had that. Uh, but he spiked a fever right before he was going to ship, and so he didn't come over here until maybe a week after the Derby and has been training here at Belmont Park since. So he's been getting over the dirt a little bit, but not again, as you mentioned, Paul, not even in group company, not in any company on dirt. So I think that's why I'm, he's a complete toss for me. Let's talk Bravazo. Nearly won the Preakness, despite really a much tougher ride than the than Justify's real very safe one, I guess, or, or ideal one. Bravazo surging at the end of that one, and here now we're going to go longer. And it feels like Bravazo. You know, if I were to run the same race again, I think Bravazo ends up winning just on the length. And so, uh, I think Tenfold beats both of them. And well, sure, okay, and maybe Tenfold as well. Let's let's talk about those as as we're trying to find some value for people that are. Not excited by the four to five morning line odds for Justify. Let's talk Bravazo and Den Tenfold. What do you what do you think of those two horses in particular? Yeah, and if you're not in the mood to join me alone on my Robinson Crusoe Island with Noble Indy, I certainly right. understand. <laughs> yeah. But Tenfold's going to bring uh, some odds. Now he's going to he's getting some buzz. So morning line at what twelve to one? He's probably going to come inside ten, I would think, in terms of odds. But I think he's, there's still going to be value there. Bravazo, the problem is it's the same rigors that Justifies going through, five races in three weeks. Mm-hmm. D. Wayne Lucas isn't shy about doing this with horses, but he hasn't exactly had success in the Belmont Stakes lately, has he? So uh, to me, Bravazo, I throw him out tenfold, though I look a, a great deal at. I think if you look at his breeding, there's uh, Tappet in the bloodlines. Tappet has uh, been responsible bloodline-wise for three of the last four winners of the Belmont Stakes, and the exception was American Pharaoh three years ago. So that's a pretty stout thing to be pointing out there. Uh, Tenfold also, being trained by Steve Asmussen, did not race as a two-year-old. No Apollo jinx here, but you could have said that if he had made the Kentucky Derby. A mysterious uh, ride in the uh, Arkansas Derby, but that was his only time with Victor Espinosa. It's uh, Ricardo Santana who's back aboard him. Uh, Santana has two firsts and the third place that we've mentioned in the Preakness to his credit. So that's that's a good combination there. And also Tenfold is by Curlin, uh, a narrow loser in this race to rags to riches uh, back 11 years ago. So he's certainly got the bloodlines, and I like those, as well as Hoffberg, uh, the Bill Mott horse is coming in here, yeah. who made up six spots in the Derby and eight and a quarter lengths in the stretch eight. after he got just pounded on his trip around the track. So uh, and again, by Tappet. So that's another one that's going to get. Uh, he's gotten a lot of buzz here this week. Yeah, Last Hoff, one. Hoffberg is really interesting because he did. It really horse ran as well as you could ask it to run at the Derby. Even though if you just you know if you just look at the finishing place of seventh place, you might not think so. But given the given what it had to put up with, including getting knocked around at the start and then again later on, that was an impressive one. And by the way, this is a horse that finished second in the Florida Derby prior to mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby, and didn't run the Preakness, so it's got time off. Hofberg's pretty interesting, and Hofberg's your your second odds favorite at 9-2, to two, right? Yeah, and that's why I'm staying away from him a little bit. 9-2 to two is probably not very good. If you are if you think Justify and Hofberg are going to go 1-2, then you better get it cold, bet it cold, and you're not going to make much money even at that. So uh, that's that's the problem there. I'm not sure Hofberg catches that much money. He was 6-1 to one in Las Vegas when I left. Mm. I think he may be closer to 5 
uh, here. So you might still get a little bit of value on him. But as far as an exacta with Justify Hoffberg, stay away. But if you think Justify is a toss in the exacta, then, yeah, tell you, I would take a good long look at him. And as far as that not race in the Preakness angle, 11 of the last 12 winners of the Belmont did not race in the Preakness. And again, as seems to be the case always, the exception was American Pharaoh. Ron, thank you very much for all the information, entertainment, and opinions up to these Triple Crown races. We'll talk soon, okay? I look forward to it. Paul Charge. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Ron Flatter, at Ron Flatter via Twitter. Uh, he does podcasts. You can learn more about them there. And he works with the Vegas Stats and Information Network. 1014, feasting on the man. It's PA in charge. One goal that I know that he and I have in common is we want to win. On the fan. The programming on the fan brought to you in part by Papa John's. Twins were victorious last uh, yesterday, excuse me, so you get paid off today. Use the code TWINSWIN. At PapaJohns.com, you get half-off large and extra-large pizzas. Thank you, Papa Johns. And let's do this. I want to do a giveaway, and it's about the taste of the Vikings. It's presented by Land Lakes. It's at U.S. Bank Stadium next Tuesday. You get to meet not only uh, favorite Vikings players, but legends and coaches, and enjoy food from the finest Twin Cities restaurants while sipping on a variety of E&J Gala wines. All proceeds, a taste of the Vikings, Benefit the Minnesota Vikings Foundation. First caller to give to answer this trivia question. Kentucky Derby. Remember it? PA had a massive opinion on which horse that ended up not only finishing dead last, but was edged by a mere 95, 97 lengths. Uh, name that horse that PA had such a huge opinion on in the, the Derby. Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Uh, 651-989-5326, Uh Just a hint, it was so embarrassed in the Kentucky Derby, uh, it is not participating in this weekend's Belmont Stakes. Call now. Ray Richardson from back in the day on KMOJ is listening right now. So I'm contractually obligated to give him 15 seconds of the song. He hurts so bad, so bad, so bad. See the girl who has lost the only love she ever had. There's got to be no sad shout to see. You're familiar with Tony Bruno? I am. I understand Tony has had health issues of late. Has he? Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Um, a Tony Bruno tweet. Radio immortality Tony Bruno. Yeah, Philly guy growing up, yeah. I believe. Yes. Joined 9 to noon a fair amount up to the Philly Folly. Oh, I didn't know that. Most recent tweet. Hundreds take their own lives daily, and we don't know most of them. When rich and famous like Kate Spade... And now Anthony Bourdain Mm -hmm. make that decision. We truly know it's not about money or power. It's the first thing that went through my mind when I I woke up to the news. Help someone you know is dealing with deep depression. Hashtag Friday feeling. That's Tony Bruno via Twitter off the news. that, That quirky, eccentric TV, food, wine, traveling guy, Anthony Bourdain, was found... I believe in a Paris hotel room. Right. Dead. Yeah. And the the deduction is he killed himself. And and you know with Kate Spade is designer. Kate Spade designer. Yeah. Uh, sh- uh handbag shoes. So this must have happened thing, when I'm on the Las Vegas turnaround. Yeah, that was kind of missed ago. it. Yeah. So it's just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So like Kate Spade, Kate Spade. Might have been 
Rich, yeah. famous, popular yeah. Kate Spade. Yes. Whoa. Handbags, I think. Hundreds take their own lives daily, and we don't know most of them. When rich and famous, like Kate Spade, yep. and now Anthony Bourdain make the decision, we truly know it's not about money or power. Help someone you know is is dealing with deep depression. Hashtag, hashtag Friday feeling. You know, it, it, go, it goes back to conversations that I think when men dealing with depression has popped up on this radio show. It has from time to time. Yes. I think you've been here about every time we've done it. You know, and it, it um and, and it's only been a handful of times, you know, but it um it originated, I believe, through former quarterback Eric Kramer. Okay, that's the Bears quarterback or Lions quarterback? Lions. Yeah, and he was local he was speaking locally or something. Okay. And he, you know, like cat's ass. I mean, NFL career, had everything, yeah, cash, I think, whatever. You know, and he tried to kill himself because he battles depression and the the modus op not the modus operandi, but the theme here mm-hmm. was most men dealing with depression in machismo like fashion will not tell anybody. Correct. And they will drink it away. Yeah. Or they will sulk it away. Yeah. Or they will whatever it away. But, and, not, well, but not talk about it. And not talk about it. And right. then it gets out of hand and somebody's dead. Yeah. So I mean, like I read this, I read this tweet, and uh, and that's that's what I started thinking about men with depression being too prideful to reach out for help, you know? Um, because that's how we've been, you know, that's how we've been raised, right? I mean, look at the athletes that that we talk about day in and day out. They, you get hurt, what do you do? You rub some dirt in it, and you get back out on the field. Yeah, and you know, you don't complain about it, you don't talk about it, you don't acknowledge it, you just go, you just go play, yeah. and. I think there's a, there's a lot of that same mentality that carries over into this. Yeah. We accept it in women much more, I think. And, and I think women are, are, I don't know this, is just anecdotally, I think women are more comfortable Opening sharing, up. Yeah. Uh, sharing their problems than, than men are. Our listeners right now are predominantly male. And you know, I feel if, comfortable saying it, a majority of women are better communicators than a majority of men. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Uh, t- sometimes to a fault. Yeah. Um, there's... Uh, you know, but I think what Tony hit on that I think is really important, what re- went through my mind right away is there was nothing. We don't know Anthony or Bourdain intimately, but he had all the money he wanted. He had a show that was exactly the show he wanted to do yeah. that allowed him to do what he loved, traveling and meeting these different cultures and not just eating the food of different cultures, but learning about all these other cities and bringing them to the masses on his own TV show. The it's a dream come true in many ways, but that doesn't mean that right. you can't suffer from debilitating depression. Right. Even though you don't have a money problem, you don't have a career problem, it, depression doesn't know boundaries like that. And you can't just solve depression because, you know, you got a raise or because well one, you know, one other thing is going right in your life. Yeah. You can still, you can still be debilitated. You, by you it. have no idea. It's like, it's like Joe Q. Rube after working 40 to 60 hours a week of a hard labor job, having the cliched beer with his friend after work, looking at Twitter, seeing this, talking about it, saying, this is the cliched rube, by the way. Well, what what does he have to worry about? All the money in the world, TV right. show, yeah. uh, you know, in good shape, blah, blah, blah. Well, you, you hit on the A topic. I mean, uh, clearly something something 
from from a from a body chemical standpoint threw him off so that he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. But maybe he has kids. Maybe one of his kids is is in a bad spot with house payments or marriage or something's going wrong with something ancillary and that stuff can overwhelm people too. Because when you are an uber high achiever, yeah, when you strive to work and win at the highest level, it it doesn't necessarily mean everybody within your covenant, kids, wife, husband, friends, it doesn't necessarily mean all of them want to get to that level. They might they may want to live a different life. So you can beat yourself up and and always be seeking perfection or something yeah. not only in you but in others that's not there. And it can torment you even the even the smallest things, you know? Um, I think what you're saying is very true. You can achieve 95% of what you want in your life and just obsess on the 5%. Yeah. And let that no doubt. let that bring you down. And when the even though the rest of your life is so good. Yeah. And um there you know we, we you know we all in all walks of life have met people that just can't, you know, cannot appreciate what they have. Can't appreciate what they've what they've accomplished or what you know the, all the positive things because there's this one little thing that isn't perfect. But and it depends on what it is. I mean, if it's not getting along with a coworker, three percent raise terrorism every year, uh, prices of stuff going up, whatever. Okay, I understand that. I mean, if if that and and nine to noon is not going to cast judgment on what should or should not get you down to make up that five percent over which you obsess. Yeah, if it's if it's a child, like like one of your children, and things are periodically pear-shaped or on the daily, some something seems to be going wrong. I mean, that's you. You can only take so much. It, it, it's it's only going to beat you down to a certain level. Mm-hmm. I I guess you know before you throw your hands up and you like don't know what the next step is. You know, well, so it all depends on what it is. There's a this, you know this isn't the. It's 2018. It's not 1918. There are a lot of avenues for help now, um, and there many of them are at no cost. Yeah, and you just need to. And you know, when you're depressed, it is hard to take action. Mm-hmm. But if you are depressed to the point that you are actually considering suicide, you need to at least find it within yourself to get the help that people want to give you, often at no cost. Well said. We'll be right back. The free movie Friday program with Adam Tickets is back. They want to give you a chance at free movie tickets. All you got to do is you can text them now. Text the word PEN to A-T-O-M-1. P-E-N, PEN, to Adam1 for your chance to win. The Adam Tickets app is sweet. You can browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone, and skip the lines. Set it standard data and text message rates may apply. Mental 
mentally escaping from 9 to noon, regular life, stuff like that, until you sent your voracious prep for today's show, your voluminous prep for today's show. Thorough. I didn't, um, I didn't completely understand what Terrell Owens was doing yeah. until I read your stuff. Now, I mean, I thought I knew he made the Hall of Fame induction speech and everything. Gold jacket immortality is coming up in August, Canton. Right. Yes. But it's like when 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 I'm sweating some diseased Braves Padres game <laughs> and I see it come across the ticker, something about T.O., I'm like, oh, what's that? Yeah, so who I, cares? I didn't completely understood until right. I looked at your voluminous prep. So let me get this straight. He made the Hall of Fame yes. after bitching about it for years, and he has declined the right to speak <laughs> yes. at the induction ceremony? Yes. Literally never happened in the history of the Hall of Fame. Okay, now, and- but... Is there a story? I mean, well, we don't know the story, but I've given I, I have four, and he hasn't explained himself yet. I've come up with four possible scenarios mm-hmm. for why he's doing this, and you can tell me in order you can jump in too if you think it might be this. So one of these four, okay. Um, some say that Owens is refusing to attend because the event isn't all about himself. Niet, I don't think so. I'm no. on, I'm it, on Niet. Nordo? Yes, I, I'm also on no. Even by Owen's standards, he knows that this this, yeah. this stage is always five people, right? It's me right. How about this? Owens isn't going because Randy Moss is getting in, mm. and Moss is going to get all of the wide receiver attention. And early, what's next? Oof. That feels good. That feels good. Yeah. All right, next. Tony, Tony, Tony. Owens wants to use the Hall of Fame platform to say something that the Hall of Fame committee and the people at Canton did not want him to say. He wanted to use it per, for, perhaps for social justice or yeah. you know, whatever, right? He wanted to use that platform to say something, and the committee said, whoa, 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 that's not what this is about. You know, this is about, you know, football and your career or whatever. Yeah. So, no, you can't do it. Do you believe that might be it? I'm, no. mo- I'm mostly on the net. Now, say Terrell Owens or somebody going into the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. wanted to focus on a social justice issue. Would the Pro Football Hall of Fame permit said individual to have Colin Kaepernick introduce him? You just put I mean, me in the Hall kind of Fame. Thing. Yeah, same kind of thing, right? Who who yeah. who is going to introduce you or like be the the one A to your one? Right. It's Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. No, right? it's not. Yeah, correct. What do you mean it's not? Yeah. It's my day. It's That's not a, your day. It's my I, day. I love that angle. Because now I mean, imagine imagine you're Canton and now this is happening and Kaepernick is suing the NFL mm-hmm. and you're gonna put him on stage and you can't control what he's going to say on stage. Right. Who knows what he's gonna do? Right. I love that angle. That's brilliant. I'll give you one more. What but, if Anquan Bolden made it into the HOF and he wanted to have Kaepernick introduce him? Because right. I think, didn't they go to an NFC championship together in, in San Francisco? Might have. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that'd be, maybe. That'd be juicy. All right, I'll give you one more. Unbeknownst to me until now, and I, did not, I didn't know this until Pro Football Talk mentioned it, the Hall of Fame covers travel, hotel, <laughs> that's it. That's all the money they tra- they cover for this. What all else the is rest, there? All the rest of your expenses are on you. 
you want to you want to throw a party, for example, right? Invite you got friends, family, you got all these people in, and you want to have a party. That's on you. Yeah. And so there are there are a lot of other ancillary expenses that you have to cover yourself. You know, Jerry Jones throws a yearly Pro Football Hall of Fame party that runs like one seventy five every year. Hundred and seventy five thousand. Wow! Drives a super special that bus, I've Jerry seen, Jones bus. I, we've, we've seen, seen it at the combine. The, that's right. We see it at the combine. Drives that up there, loads it up. Yep. Has an area he uses every year, and I know this because Uncle Norv goes to it every year. Ah, um, he goes to the party, right? So, yeah. like Michael Irvin went in recently, maybe last year or whatever. So Norv, you know, like like when a cowboy goes in, the party cost gets bigger. Yeah, I bet it does. But Jerry Jones pays for that bit every single year, mm-hmm. minimum buck seventy five. Wow! So that plays yeah. into your. We're going to get your travel. We're going to get uh, this, but yeah. you're on your own if if you want to go to the the uh, the pump and munch and get a couple <laughs> of tornadoes. Uh, that's going to be on you. Um, so that might be a factor as well. And it, we we don't know we don't know what it's all about. Yeah. But it appear unless he has a change of heart right now. Yeah. Terrell Owens will not attend his own induction ceremony, and I'm assuming that something will happen. Yeah. They will. You know, there might be a montage of his stuff. I I don't know. Yeah. And it, but it, maybe somebody, maybe somebody else. They throw Peter King on. You know, as part as somebody yeah. that voted for him. They throw him on stage, and Peter King says a few words. I you know we off don't know. your options yes I would bet Moss goes in first ballot yeah, first ballot Terrell Moss. Owens not first ballot no he's like third right and I would bet off your options that's the one I would bet I think a sneaky fifth option in here may be lack of comfortability speaking in front of people mm. like T.O.? well really in that setting I mean like you know press conference after games. I'm I'm certainly not going because I don't know anything about his personality makeup. Yeah, you know, out well like Ricky Williams. Yeah, Ricky Williams. Ricky yeah. Williams yeah. used to used to have to wear a black shield when he played games, and he also would rarely, if ever, do post game stuff. And he would wear shades if he did, and he was very Michael Jackson esque, soft spoken. He had he had legitimate social anxiety. I mean, you know, right. and that was built into who he was. Right. And he really struggled in public situations. I don't believe Terrell T- Owens has shown none of that to the best of my knowledge. I agree, but when it's five to twenty minutes mm-hmm. of a situ- a scenario like this. And you're compared to the Joneses with your speech and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. And I don't know, maybe that's, I mean, that would be a 15 to 1 spotty in the field of five that you lined up. Yeah. I ain't saying I would bet it. Right. But I consider it just a little bit. Um, Power Trip Bets reminding me that Terrell Owens is the cover athlete for the Hall of Fame edition of Madden 19. <laughs> maybe he was going to try to leverage his podium time to turn into an, uh, an infomercial. For Madden 19, and they didn't like it. And Canton said no. But when Maybe does Can- when does Canton does Canton vet out speeches? I think they do. Really, at least to some degree. So then, if you're there and you got the audience, and if the heat index is 103, like it always is in Canton in August, yeah, and you're in the middle of your bit and Norv sweating, if you if you go off what they expect. What do they do? Well, at that point, you know, th- yeah, but probably not. But maybe. I mean, who knows? In all probability, at some point, in all the hundreds plus inductions we've had, yeah. right? Some point, somebody's gone up there and said some things that they weren't comfortable with. So I bet they're pretty serious about about finding out in advance 
what you plan to say. And they ask very specific questions like, are you going to mention sponsors? If so, who and in what way? Yeah. You know, are you going to mention, you know, controversial people? You know, and if so, who? Right. Are you going to talk about a politician? Is this where you're going to decide that you want to talk about our president or whatever? You know, do you want to talk about a war that's happening? This is, you know, because we don't mostly we don't see that stuff. So um, that's, you know, that is a there's I think they really do vet this stuff out. And it could be that that's where T.O. ran into trouble. Could it just be as simple as he is super pissed that he's had to wait and bringing Randy Moss so. into it, not necessarily shouldering or jockeying for social attention or accolades with Randy and Canton, but it could be just a combo of, you know, him who he's been very vocal about how much of a joke, quote-unquote, using his words, that the Hall of Fame is. He thinks the selection process is ridiculous. He's like second or third in touchdowns all time. Mm -hmm. He's been very vocal about how, hey, I had the numbers. For better or worse, love me or hate me, I was really bleeping good at this sport, and why am I not being chosen in? So it could be a combination just simply enough the Hall of Fame, you guys yeah. are bleep holes for using whatever off-field or social-related things about my personality yeah. versus just looking yeah. at my body of work, which was elite. And then also you look at Randy getting in first ballot, who some would say had his own personality issues or was in the headlines for non-football-related things a few times in his career. He could just simply be pissed off and be like, one last F you to the HOF. I get my bust. Yeah. I get my gold jacket. I'm going to, I'm going to, in my way, think I'm making you look like a-holes, and I'm going to go have uh, my coffee and cake with my buddies and family somewhere else. I think it could be simple. Yeah, I mean, in elongated fashion with the way he laid that out, I agree with most of what he said. And and I'm not going to make it my bet, but if there is somebody who would take the self-absorbed, narcissistic approach to it, yeah, the way Eric just laid it out, it would be it would be Terrell Owens. I mean, if there is anybody where you're like, man, get over yourself. Seriously, this may be about you with the gold jacket and the bust and the acceptance, yeah, but it's about the history of the league, and there are tens, hundreds of thousands who have crossed that line and wanted to work hard or worked hard to get where you are, and you got there. Yeah. And you can't, you're not disrespecting the process, the voters, or the cohorts who are going in. You're disrespecting the history of the league. So, I don't know, man. I mean, if if the way the producer laid it out is accurate, I think it makes a little sense because of how narcissistic and self-absorbed the individual is. Deion Sanders and Terrell Owens had a tweet exchange yesterday. Deion said, Terrell, let's sit down and talk about this so the world can know where you're coming from. I believe I know where you're coming from, and I want them to understand you before the stones are thrown your way. This is a first, and it will have a future effect on many. And Terrell Owens responded to that tweet by saying, check your DMs. So apparently they're, Thank you. they're they're chatting and it's interesting right. that Dion Sanders So Dion went net, went public with that? Yeah. You see that that's again playing into the self-absorbed, narcissistic, attention-starved society. That's mm. Dion though. With which we deal. But <laughs> this is, is this yeah. is not a Dion prime Super Bowls in Minnesota Zim. Mm-hmm. This is not a conversation for everybody to have on Twitter. No. If you genuinely care about the league Terrell Owens and his decision and or the HOF. DM on the front end. Text him. Yeah. Call him. 
don't go public with it being like, Super Bowls in Minnesota, Zim. That's what yeah, we got to do now. We got to insert ourselves into the situation. You're feeding the beast at that point. Now, a lot of people are tweeting saying Owens is broke. Um, but oh. you know what? I bet that's T.O.'s broke. And I bet that's like two thirds of the people that get inducted to the Hall of Fame. He's yeah, had some are, financial issues. You know, well, I mean, how many? How many? By the time you get inducted, and we know that the vast majority, even Hall of Famers, who have had long, long careers with a lot of money, I, I bet a lot of them are broke or you know living modestly. Yeah, but that's why you by stand the time on that they stage. get to Canton. That's why you stand on that stage yeah. if you're broke in that gold jacket next to your bust. That in itself is free advertising. Yeah. And now suddenly you're making yourself relevant again. Although he's doing that in some ways with the buzz of politely declining the invite. But that's why you get on that stage. If he's broke and you're looking for money grabs, you get on that stage, you say the right things, a beautifully crafted speech, yeah. and now it's a refined, older things in the past, Terrell Owens, that in itself could make himself more cash than what is you know more of the same, more of the old T.O. that we already know. You, yeah. you get on the stage for Papa Bear Hallis and the Decatur's Dailies. You, you get on the stage for Red Grange Good point. and Jim mm-hmm. Brown. And everybody who paved the way yeah. for you to make and and allegedly blow what you have blown, and to get the fame and the opportunity for the narcissism and self-absorbed nature right. that you have attained, that that that's why that's, you get on the stage. It's a privilege, okay. And, and if you just go up there and and you're antithetical to everybody who has spoken, wearing that gold jacket in that revered moment. And if you get up there and spend 30 seconds saying, if it weren't for Papa Bear Hallis and the Decatur Staley's playing the Chicago Cardinals and so on, mm. I would not be here. Yeah. For those of you who started this great game, God bless you. Thank you. And leave the stage. Just do that. Or pander for money. <laughs> like Nordo said, if you're stuck. And, that, and maybe that was part of what he was going to do. And hey, they said, no, you, right. can't, you can't do that. That's not what this platform is about, and it's not. I mean, you know, this has not been a platform for people to talk about things generally outside of football. So I, I my inclinations think that that is that's what this is about is they won't let T.O. say what he wants to say. So he's gonna he's gonna do it his own way. Yeah, I'd bet that. Yeah, that was not one of your options. So we now have seven options because Nordo added one. I added the Ricky Williams option at twenty to one. Yeah. Nordo's <laughs> checked in at eight to one. Got bet down by the sharps. Right. And now you throw this in late. About he's they vet out his speech, and it's like it was going to be geared to heightening his public image to help him make money. Well, he was putting NASCAR patches on his gold jacket. That's yeah, five right. to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a Viagra patch over the HOF patch on the gold jacket, so he can make forty. So he can so he can make four million. Yeah, now that's what, five to one. I'm betting it. Which uh, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, regardless of whether he's there or not, which team is he representing? Terrell Owens, Niners. What do you think, Nordo? Yeah, it's got to be Niners. Got to be Niners, though. On the cover of the Hall of Fame edition of Madden 19, he is wearing the star. Ooh, oh, the Cowboys going in as a cow. Yeah. He's on his. He is Whoa! in the Hall of Fame edition of Madden. He is he is wearing Cowboys uni. Friday football feast. Paul Charchi and Fanball.com. Paul Allen, ten fifty two fan. It's PA and Charge on the fan. Hi, B.A. 
What up? Hi, KG. Hello, Paul. My guys in the cornfield have arrived, and they have uh, much on which they would like to opine, including this. Eller for the draw! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. FED 1500. Capitals Radio Network. So B.A. and I, as we fade the music and fire up the final hour, Brian Aragoni, Canterbury Park, Kevin Gorg, Fox Sports North, Canterbury Park, P.A. in charge, feasting on a Friday. B.A. and I are spotting up on pick fours, playing the final five, pick five jackpot. He's up and down the stairs to the paddock, press box, paddock, press box. I know the drill. I'm calling races, so we were watching the Stanley Cup final game as closely as we can. You probably watch every second of it, right? I watched it while I was typing up Sunday's tip sheet, so I was off to the side, more listening, because I love Doc Emmerich. And yeah, then when, so when he'd raise the crescendo, then I'd yep. raise my eyes and watch the TV. Why, why I put it that way, um, because you probably found some nuance from the game that I or we didn't. Caps win the cup, your thoughts. Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Once they got the big old gorilla off their back and Sidney Crosby and the Penguins that they were unleashed, and they've always been... An immensely talented hockey team. What I liked about the way they played this year in the playoffs compared to others, and I'll even give Ovechkin lead credit on this, is the way they played without the puck. They've always been be a brilliant team with the puck, but the buy-in factor, the blocking shots, the play without the puck defensively, feeding off their goaltender. I thought they were the better team in the Cup. I thought they had the better goalie in the Cup, and I think they earned it because they finally figured it out in Washington that with all that talent, with that glitzy power play, if you don't play defense for 60 minutes in this league in playoff hockey fashion, you can't win the big game, and they finally figured it out. Well, and that's always been their problem is defense. They've never struggled offensively with Backstrom and Ovechkin and some other talented guys before they had Mike Green as well. But now they figured it out defensively, and this team truly earned it. They were down 2 nothing to Columbus in round one. They went into Tampa Bay game seven and won on the road. Ovechkin no longer that power play. I mean, he's still the power play threat, but he's no longer simply the power play threat. He got the dirty goals. He blocked shots. He truly found himself, and now he is truly that leader and now a Stanley Cup champion. Do you? Uh, they've already put out the odds to win the next Stanley Cup. <laughs> That's amazing. You, uh, I, I, so let me ask you this. Do you believe Washington is your favorite for next year? I, if they're not, they've got to be one of the top two or three favorites. I would make them one of the favorites, but I don't know if you can make them the favorite because it took them so long to get it done, mm-hmm. and we all know how hard it is to repeat. Well, uh, and, and I'm glad you brought that up too because I did not put it. Uh, I did not put it as part of my notes. But being in Vegas the last four days, yeah, I stared at. Next season's Stanley Cup odds <laughs> yeah. for no fewer than three hours. Yeah. I mean, just like looking at it. So I actually have some questions for my guys. I would say Nashville field. might be the favorite, but I think Washington would be, they'd be the second or third choice at uh, the very furthest down. And neither is. Nashville is uh, about sixth, and uh, the Capitals are about eighth in next season's odds to win the Stanley Cup. Who's favorite? What? Where's well, Winnipeg or Tampa? Winnipeg is Winnipeg is near the top. Winnipeg is tied for second. Hmm. Tampa is number 1. Yeah. And nine Winnipeg one. and Tampa. Wow. Winnipeg and Tampa. Okay. Uh, also at also at uh tied for second Boston, Toronto and Vegas. But well, what I saw at Planet Hollywood part of the Harris family. Yeah. Vegas 6 to 1. 
to win the Cup next year. That was the second choice behind Tampa. Maybe eight. Bruins were 10-1. to one. Um, one last cry. One last run for Kane, Taves, Keith, Crawford. Okay, this is 30-1. to one. Okay, now oh, I, thirty to one, it's worth yeah. a worth a flyer for sure. Yeah, with Crawford healthy, yeah, that that's the bit. I mean, yeah. Craw- and okay, so look, they come into the season. What you're telling us, Marion Hosa may never play again. Distraction, uh, and he won't. Then during the season, you lose Crawford for the whole thing, which was major. Crawford back, Kane, Taves, Keith, you know, uh, Q's back. That's thirty to one. What at, do you think? At thirty to one, it's worth a flyer. Do I think they're going to make a run of the cup? No, I don't. I think it's the problem is they've gone the wrong way, and so many teams like Winnipeg and Nashville have passed them that yeah. I think it's going to be difficult. But yeah. with the cup cred behind the bench, with all those great players and Crawford healthy at thirty to one, it's worth a small spot. Thirty to one, spotty. Is Ovechkin going to walk away now? No way, not no way. This guy had more fun this year in the playoffs. He finally had that personality that mm-hmm. we hadn't seen in so long, right? The, I mean, he's always had the emotion yeah. in big spots, but the the way he behaved on the bench when when that save happened by Holtby in Game Two, which I yeah. think turned the series, and he yeah. was covering up his eyes. Yeah, it, it was really cool to see that part of his game, which we hadn't seen before. I think he's having so much fun right now in Vegas that he'll want to do it again. Yeah, yeah, and the sky's the limit for Ovechkin. He's figured it out offensively as well as defensively. The question mark for Washington, I think, is Barry Trotz. He's a free agent. How about There's that, by the way? Nice How about cashing that check? That. How often do you see a Stanley Cup champion coach be a free agent? And there's a lot of teams that are going to throw a lot of big money at him. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Washington retains him. Well, how'd they let that happen? Well, they rolled the dice because, remember, now they they had underachieved yeah, right. under Trotz just like they had in the previous years in, po- in postseason play under our friend Bruce Boudreau. It had been the same act. Remember, he benched Ovechkin for part of the games last year against Pittsburgh. He moved him down to the third line. I mean, there was some there was some real drama behind the scenes with this hockey team, and so their GM rolled the dice. And wow. The only people happier right now than Barry Trotz counting their money on Vegas are the guys that run those sports books that have all those bets on Vegas yeah. at 500 yeah, right. to 1. Yeah. Tell me they're not no, breathing they're a sigh of relief right happy. now. And we and we are v- we are Vegas Stats and Information Network train charge, yes. and we've gone two hours and three minutes in this biatch, haven't mentioned one time. If Vegas wins the Stanley Cup, the sports books lose between five and ten million dollars, and they have their first losing month in seven years. Yeah, it was there. They were Mitch and Polly were telling us it was going to be the worst bloodbath in the history of Vegas sports books. Wow, Vegas had uh, had had actually ended up winning. But let let me hit the guys in the cornfields with one more. Um, Penguins were ten to one. Mm. So I mean, you, 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 Sydney and Malkin and and the bit and Why not? and your guy Gensel, you know, another year grown up, ten to one. What do you think? They got to get by Washington. And it's so funny how things change and when you handicap that division. For so long, Pittsburgh was the roadblock for Ovechkin and the Capitals. And like I said earlier, when when they beat Pittsburgh, that team changed forever. And now. For a long time, you just assume Pittsburgh's going to beat these guys at crunch time. Because they always did. I no longer can think that. Well, and yeah. when you have those elite teams like Chicago we talked about earlier and Pittsburgh, and you have that success, it becomes difficult to maintain the roster. And they've run into salary cap problems, whether it's Chicago or yep. Pittsburgh, keeping those high-end players staying. You can't pay Crosby, Malkin, Taves, and Kane and have them all get their money and still have a supporting cast. You look at Pittsburgh, they became one-dimensional in the playoffs. They relied on Crosby and Genzel to get all their points. They had no second- and third-line production, and that's part of why Washington had success as well as Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights got success from all 
four lines and contributed at all four lines, and that's the problem with the Chicago's and the Pittsburgh. And why I bring it up the way I did from an odd standpoint, Charge, yeah. Charge touched on it, but I, I just stared at it for at it for so long. And I just kept looking at Blackhawks 30-1, didn't bet it, but with the Crawford and Host angle and the whole thing, whatever. So when I'm at South Point Casino Hotel to meet Brent Musburger, the uh, the Vegas Stats and Information Network guys, uh, Jimmy Vaccaro is the um, he's he runs the sports book there, and he's done it for forty some odd years. So I'm talking to him about hockey future bets with like everything in that town because of what Las Vegas has done. Everything is amplified now. They're getting hockey future bets. Their books are full, yeah. not only during Vegas Golden Knights games, but like Eastern Conference Final with Tampa and Washington. The bar scene and the restaurants with TVs. It's spectacular. Around mm-hmm. the tr- you know. I did see that when the Wild were out there. It was unbelievable. Right. So they're like, like normally, say, that this bar where I watched Game 4 with some Golden Knights season ticket holders called Tommy, Tommy Rockers, I think. Um, it normally would have had four people in there, and it probably had 60. You know, so therefore, exponentially speaking, they're, they're making money off that. So I'm talking to Jimmy Vaccaro about hockey future bets and, like, what you're taking a lot on the Golden Knights. What about the Wild? <laughs> Hasn't taken one Wild to win the Stanley Cup at the end. Well, what do you mean? We're third and one. Not we're, one. We're thirty. We're the same odds as the Hawks. We uh, are maybe twenty-two. Well, thirty to one is what I saw. Russo yeah. just tweeted odds. I think it's thirty to one. Yeah, it might be twenty-two at Planet Hollywood. Hey, Jimmy, take any wild to win the cup bets? <laughs> it's like a freaking tumbleweed blowing through the <laughs> desert. <laughs> no respect. Six straight years in the playoffs. Come on, get healthy. Let's no go. Respect. Let's go. Yeah, Carlson from the Caps. We're going to get him. Sure, we are. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? Anyway, so um, do you think, um, is it a bad take thinking Flurry went a little pear-shaped in um, some of these games later in the series? I think he might have gone a little pear-shaped, but I think the players in front of them, at the breakdowns, yeah. mm-hmm. Eddie Olchek is so good at his job, and I really enjoy watching him break things down. And, Love and him. Vegas, to me, as the series went on, chased the games. They 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 had had such a good run yeah. where there wasn't a ton of adversity through their playoff run until this cup, yeah. and... I think when Holtby made that save in Game Two, yeah. as the as the games wore on from that point on, mm-hmm. they got off their game specifically defensively. And even though they're as fast as Washington, there were way too many open spaces for the Capitals five yeah. on five. Their defensive zone coverage, and we we saw it again last night on on Smith Pelly's goal. And again, fourth line for Washington was a huge factor in them winning this cup, but there just was too many situations like that where they hung Flurry out to dry. And KG's always had a soft spot for goalies. Let's not forget, he does have a soft spot for I goalies. Flurry was elite leading up to the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's part of why a lot of people are saying, well, he didn't play as well. It's because he was on top of his game going into the Finals. He didn't necessarily play poorly. I didn't love the goal that just sat behind him and just sat there. That can't happen in the Stanley Cup Finals. But you hit the nail on the head. Holpe's save in Game 2, I think, completely changed and gave Washington that confidence they needed to go through and win the Cup. B.A., were you ever All-America at Hill-Murray? Uh, you can't be all American in high school, but in college yeah. you can be all American. Okay, but you were like, you were like Mister Hockey candidate in state of hockey, right? Correct. Did you ever win a state title like KG? I never won a state title. Mid eighties, like let's go Burnsville. Come on, come on, KG. <laughs> Stupid. Look at this analysis I have in here: collegiate All America, 
state champion middle of the 80s. How about Best that? Best ever. Wow. How many saves did you have in the championship game? Because I know you yeah. know it right off the top of your head. Absolutely. You 21 shots, 18 saves. Not very good. Thank God I had a great team in front of me. What was the interview <laughs> with Tom Hanneman after the game like? Embarrassing for me. Brilliant for him. I had a cabbage patch doll. I was talking with my yeah. hands. It made an aggressive move at my crotch. It was not good. Yes! Remember those cabbage patch dolls, by the way? Yeah. Why yeah. Would you... Brian looked at me like I was from another planet. He's too young. But yeah, we all remember. You, you literally had a cabbage patch? One of the cheerleaders says, I'm talking to Tom Hanneman, hands me this Cabbage Patch doll, and you know me, I'm all wound up, and I'm talking 18 miles an hour, yeah. the Cabbage Patch doll, it's not good. Wait, KG wound up? Shocker. So, Shocker. Somebody, yeah. you, somebody just hands you a Cabbage Patch I have doll. no idea. Well, it was just, chaos, so charge. take it. And I start talking, and? and then if you watch closely, it's not it's not a family friendly interview. Hide your Let's kids. Hide, Hide the, the kids. kids. The Cabbage Patch doll because is doing of what things. You did to the Cabbage Patch. Doll. I didn't do a thing with what the Cabbage Patch doll was did trying to do. You. Let's change the subject. Okay, this is awful. Last one on this is the best ever. God, hold on. Blaming the Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> when you hear Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days, oh jeez, do you hearken <laughs> to the mid '80s and the state t- state title in the state of hockey? Or your crushing victory on Jazzle in the Belmont within the last 10 years. When you hear Glory Days by the boss. Sadly, I go to Jazzle because it's so far back to get to 1985. I'm too old to remember those days. Uh, Speaking to the Belmont, we will handicap it and chat uh, Belmont Stakes and more after this. It's the Friday Feast, where at some point, Charge will introduce a topic and PA will pretend to be interested. It's 9 to noon on The Fan. Programming on the fan brought to you in part by Bradshaw and Bryant. You can enter to win passes to see The Incredibles 2. It's only at the IMAX Theater at the Minnesota Zoo. More information and register. Just get to KFAN.com. Keyword contests to enter. You got the notion. Rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat. Hey, KG. Yes, PA. You and I have known each other and worked with each other for decade and a half minimum. Yep. I mean, you you were the analyst at Canterbury in the paddock before Fox Sports North, and 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 maybe even Charch has been there at times where. I've owned horses in partnership. You've seen me all wound up day of the race, and the horse actually has won. Absolutely. And I got multiple trips to the winner's circle, you know, and then pictures in the booth and stuff like that. Well, it's in fatherly-like fashion, okay? <laughs> Yours truly, along with Brian Aragoni, the analyst, and Vikings trainer Eric Sugarman. We have partnered on a horse that races tonight in race seven. Now, why I say in fatherly-like fashion, B.A. just got into horse ownership. Sugarman has been through the freaking meat grinder with me from Tiger D through Skull Sister and now through Starship Impulse, where B.A. and Sugarman have not, as horse owners, experienced the trip to the winner's circle, the picture the celebration after and everything, and I'm really hoping it happens this evening so we can get B.A. and Suge into the winner's circle for the first time ever. I'm just learning this morning that you guys own this horse. I did the tip sheet 
three and a half days ago. I did it much earlier in the week. Got the horse on top, and now as I look down at the racing form, I don't understand Spoon Ridge Stable, but I see that the silks are purple and gold for the Vikings. <laughs> Skull indeed, boys. How right. about that? What do you think? Do you think we can win? I love the posts. How do you not love Ryan Eckleberry? This kid is riding so well right now. He's got speed, but doesn't need the lead coming out of those route races last time yeah. at six furlongs. Now back at five and a half. With natural speed to get position, love the spot, love the price. I want Aragonian. On top. I want Aragonian Sugarman to watch a race, win a race, high five, get into the winner's circle with the beast, get a picture, and then we tell Cody Classic we need ten eight by tens, and oh. then and then give them out later in the. I mean, because Brian, it is a thrill. Brian owns part of a horse named Mesa Skyline in partnership right now. It's his it's his first foray into horse ownership. And the horse has run three times and is representing nicely, but not winning. And and just to get that winter circle photo, I mean, for Sugarman, I mean, Eric Eric has been so dedicated to this for three years now. Zero wins. Tiger D, zero wins. The the Philly we we paid the good number for at Keeneland twenty sixteen trying to take a swing. Can't even can't even race. And she's not even racing right now. So, in my eyes, the biggest danger to you winning the race tonight is your boss's horse. What? Who? Isn't a Samson horse Lassure? No. Lassure oh, got claimed. Was recently claimed. Uh, it, was, it was a Samson yeah. horse. Mac Robertson's Lassure. That horse will be charging late, but you're going to hang on. Your horse that, is hang on. We, get the, we get the job done. Starship in Eckleberry, baby. We're getting our first winner yeah, yeah. tonight. You gotta beat unbridled mayhem. Mac yeah. is ice cold. Uh, I went in the freezer. I can't even find is, Mac because he's colder than that. Be careful. Yeah. He's he cold. Listens. He's cold. Be careful. Yeah. So I want. I, I hopefully they get to experience that this evening. I think they do. Otherwise, before we go into Belmont and and Shippy can be your spotty. If anybody's coming to the racetrack tonight, six thirty. Um, is there a horse you guys like this evening where somebody can make a win bet? KGU first. Race five, five furlongs on the turf. I love the value in our grass racing right now. Number 10 is a horse called Hotfoot. Uh, Hugo Sanchez rides this, this horse. There's a ton of speed. Boston Charlie, the three, the seven Harnersbach, the five Mr. Fudge. These are all fast horses. The pace is going to be too fast. Hotfoot, who ran some nice turf sprints down at fairgrounds, six to one morning line. Mows them down late, boys. You, you think you get value on that horse, uh, Carl Broberg, End Zone Athletics? You think you get that six to one? I don't think we get six to one because Johnny Love and the tip sheet are both on it. So we probably get three, three and a half to one. Yep. But we get the cash. Yeah, that's a big class drop. That one probably the one to beat. And you're going to get value on Carl Broberg. I'm going to go to race six with two steps before the connections. You probably don't bet on very often. Escobar. Martin, Why are the Escobar. Wire? I've got the same horse. Martin Escobar in two steps before. We're going to yeah. take two steps into the winner's circle with Long race gone. six and race eight. Martin Escobar on the lead takes him gate to wire at five to one. Okay, the uh, the Belmont stakes is extremely compelling. Justify, B.A. told us five weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Justify is going to win the Kentucky Derby. You like some L. My horse was the worst horse in the history of the Derby. <laughs> it was the loss that just kept on giving. He gets killed at the gate. 90 lengths. Ch- chart comes out. He got beat 50 lengths. They revised the chart Monday. Got beat 70. Came back Thursday and said, we, we made another mistake. He actually was defeated 96 lengths. So it was the L that just kept on giving the entire I, week. It was really special. To, when when they load, to, he get lose by 90 lengths, when yeah. they load the horses in, yeah. 
<laughs> Mendelssohn yeah. had to go okay. backwards out of okay. the starting game. I get Let's not it. talk about Mendelssohn. Yeah, whole thing was diseased. I got absolutely savage. Just think Gronkowski Saturday and avoid right. that horse. So, uh, then we go to the Preakness. Uh, we all were on board that justify small field. Couldn't uh, beat him. Shorter distance. Can't beat him. So now, in, in what makes the Triple Crown such an arduous effort... Where you go a mile and a quarter, two weeks later, cut back to a mile and a three, uh, mile and three sixteenths. Three weeks later, stretch out to a mile and a half. Uh, there are nine lined up to battle Justify. Now, I know the person, the race is good, but if he was American Pharaoh world beater like or something like that, I don't necessarily know if all these horses would line up and have their connections feel this confident. Um, so there are, there are myriad opinions on this Belmont. Charts, let's begin with you. Justify is not going to win. I'm going to start there. I think there's too many, and especially is not worth the ridiculous uh, morning line odds. Low odds. And the uh, four to five is is absurd. Okay, well, so, Spotty, do we think he'll be higher than four to five? No, he'll be lower. No. He'll be one to two. Okay, so the morning line maker sets the four to five Jeez. as kind of a beginning point. Yeah, right. So he's he's probably going to be lower, and which it, which is absurd to me. He was at that horse was wrung out at the end of that last race that was only three weeks ago at uh, at the Preakness. And that was a shorter run. And this is this. We, I don't trust him to stretch out. I don't think he's unlikely to get another perfect ride. He has had perfect rides the last two times out. We don't know if, if Justify can run on a track that's not slop, where he has a huge advantage as an early speed horse on a sloppy track is 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 perfect for him. What if he doesn't? What if you know? What if he doesn't like being in the middle of a pack? We don't know that this this horse can come from five back. And can survive being jostled and moved, and who knows? This horse has never had to overcome any adversity. I would not trust Justify with my money. There. Spotty? He'll be on the lead. He's not going to be middle of the pack. There isn't a ton of speed in here, so he got that break going for him for sure. My theory is this. He's the most talented horse in the gate, and it's not close. This is not a star-studded cast of nine others that are trying to beat him. My theory is simple. Debuted on February the 18th. No two-year-old foundation. And now... Going to race three times inside of five weeks on three different surfaces. And to Charge's point, he loves slop, and he's not getting slop on Saturday. I think at one to two or three to five, I can see him winning. I think he'll certainly be in the top three, and he'll likely be the horse to catch in the final football field. But three races in five weeks off what good magic did to him in the Preakness, where he was Mm -hmm. so hard and all out to win that race, uh, hard-ridden. I I think the horse that you mentioned earlier, Jazzle, Similar to the horse I like in here. Jazzle is a lot like this horse, Hofburg, where there are few outfits in this country that breed for distance anymore. They all they all breed for speed. Yep. Judmont and Shadwell, who had Jazzle, breed for distance. Jazzle was a horse in his prep race that was trying to close and to beat horses from far, far back and couldn't get there, just like Hofburg in the Florida Derby. Yep. Like Hofburg, Jazzle was an also-ran who had a little trouble in the Kentucky Derby. And like Jazzle, this horse is bred to handle a mile and a half. Bill Mott is a Hall of Fame trainer for a reason. I think this horse sits off a pace that Bravazo intensifies with the favorite. And when they turn for home, this is the horse that wants to go this far. This is the horse that gets the money. I don't love the price. He's going to be around 4 or 5 to 1, so I don't love that. But if you can somehow get Justify out of the exact, Keen, my horse, Hofberg, with horses like Bravazo, and a couple of the Pletcher horses like Vino Rosso and Noble Indy, I think you can make a huge score. B.A.? I think Justify is the one to beat. I mean, we were spoiled with American Pharaoh. Let's not forget before that, 37 years, no triple crown. Right. You do have some superstitions you have to overcome. 
in the Preakness and the Derby, broke from post seven in the Windstar Silks. Now changes the Silks, mm. also draws post one. I was actually hoping mm. they'd get an outside post and maybe there'd be some more speed in the Belmont. I didn't think he could take them wire to wire. However, I look at the field, I see the post draw. There's no other speed in here. And Gronkowski, the running lines uh, coming in from Europe, say this horse wants to be near the lead. However, Chad Brown was very upset about them taking good magic to the lead. And I know that Justify barely beat Bravazo in tenfold. He did all the dirty work. Right. Him and good magic hooked up right out of the gate and literally dueled all the way around the racetrack. And I actually think Mike Smith didn't really see Bravazo in tenfold coming. He knew that he put gold, uh, good magic away eased up at the wire. It almost cost him big time, but I think Justify is a controlling pace. Pace makes the race in here, and lately we've seen with Creator, Taprite, and American Pharaoh, you want to be near the lead. So for me, as much as I respect KG's opinion, I'm going to toss Kaufberg. I think he's going to be too far back to make up a ton of ground on Bravazo. I was listening to Ron Flatter on my way in. Him and I must have handicapped together because we're all over the same horses in Bravazo tenfold, and I Forgive Noble Indy for the Kentucky Derby. Had a horrible trip before that. Was very game against Lone Sailor. And Lone Sailor is one of the hotter picks in the Derby as well. I think Noble Indy could bounce back. Castellano's gotten the job done in the Belmont before. But pace makes the race. And if Bravazo doesn't take it to justify early... The race could be over at the top of the turn. This is the shortest stretch they've seen. I think justify is a real deal. However, the price won't be there. Who are you betting? I'm going to try and play those pick fours and pick fives. Going to be alive. Uh, I'll probably take a stance on a, a single earlier in the card and then go deep in the Belmont. And then on a different ticket, I'm going to single justify. Justify won't be a win wager for me, but he's the type of horse that you can key on top in rather large exactas or trifectas and superfectas and try and make money that way. If I were to use other horses, I would absolutely use Bravazo at 8-1. to one. I would use as well tenfold 12-1, to one. Curlin, Smart Strike, Tap It, Bred to absolutely relish the ground. Tenfold was making up a ton of ground last time at 26-1. to one. And then Noble Indy, Todd Pletcher and Castellano mm-hmm. at 30-1. to one. Sign me up all day. It's not that I don't love Hoffberg. I just don't love four to one. The or price is the only reason one. not to and like he's, him. He's the wise guy horse in here. I, I keep be, I keep being told by every major public handicapper, from Andy Byer to Andy Serling to Mike Watchmaker, that you can't bet this horse. He'll be too low. Well, how many people are going to tell us you can't bet him? And then he drifts up to five or six to one, yeah. and I can unload. Because if he's five to one or higher, I'm unloading on this horse. If by he's four way, to one, I'm going to have to try to get creative. By the way, if he's nine to two, a $200 win wager scoops more than a grand. Fair point. So when is that? I mean, that's not that's not too low. Uh, we're talking about the Belmont for a horse that's going to be four to one. And he's only broken his maiden. Right. That, that's it. He broke his maiden at Gulfstream. Granted, it was a nice field, a mm-hmm. uh, field of eleven. But to go from breaking your maiden yeah. to winning the Belmont and beating the freak that we've seen in Justify, yep. a lot of people are hopping off the Justify train simply because he didn't dominate the field. Yeah. That was a difficult race. He went head to head with Good Magic all the way around, dueled all the way around. And I don't think he's necessarily a, a mud lover. Only a mud lover. Let's not forget the Santa Anita Derby when Bolt Doro was the hot pick, and he just crushed Bolt Doro. Bolt Doro is going to opt for the Met Mile, I believe, instead of coming in here. He's 4-1 yeah. he in that race. Tell you, they came, think a lot of him in that I, race, I too. I know, but he could have came in fresh here, and a lot of people would have loved Bolt Doro because 11 of the last 12 years, the only exception uh, to not or running all three races and winning the Belmont would be American Farrell. Other than that, everyone has been able to skip the Preakness, go from the Derby, and get the job done. Uh, to that point, I've got some stats for you. Uh, Love it. Over the last decade, 60% of your Belmont winners 
were horses who lost the Kentucky Derby and did not run at the Preakness. Hofburg fits. So Hofburg fits. Vino Rosso fits. fits. Noble Indy fits. Uh, so does Free Drop Billy, but we're not even going to talk about that. Gone with so that Billy. Those, I think that <laughs> uh, that takes out Bravazzo. So I think I think this only solidifies the Hofburg Vino Rosso uh, possibility. That'd be a nice exacta for me. Wouldn't that be? Ooh, nice? I'd love it. What do you, What do you think of the other Bob Baffer? We haven't talked about the other Bob Baffer restoring hope thirty to one. Now a lot of people say, "Well, Bob wouldn't enter a horse that could potentially ruin his Triple Crown." We've catches. seen Bob do this before. That's though. true, but restoring hope is a little bit intriguing. If anything, you got Florent Giroux, gun runner. He's a big time rider. I don't necessarily love restoring hope, but I do find it intriguing that Bob enters in another horse. What is the reason? Because this horse actually has some speed. This is That's the ownership. This is uh, this is the West Gang saying we need a horse in the Belmont. Which Bob, his hands are tied because they're a huge client of his. Um, I didn't like the way Vino Rosso put this horse away pretty handily in the Wood Memorial. So I think underneath, yeah, you could sneak the Baffert other horse in there, restoring hope, but. As far as a win candidate, I think I think Vino Rosso is a much better horse. Vegas Stats and Information Network guy at ten five at nine five five said he entered the horse because Justify is still very immature and green. Stares at um, at tracks in, in the dirt, stares at stuff, just gets goofy like he did in the Santa Anita Derby where he's drifting around. That he put him in there to keep him company because they don't think there's going to be a breakneck speed battle. Uh, like there was in the Preakness. So it's just kind of like his horse to keep him company, paying attention to what's in front of him. Well, that'd be interesting if you see Baffert's two horses out near the front. That would be surprising. The other angle in this race that people aren't talking about is Windstar owns a couple of horses, and they're a big part of Noble Indy, who on paper looks like the other speed horse. My God. They're not going to go, though, because how do you take away a Triple Crown from yourself? And if they send the nine Noble Indy... And he ruins Justify. Then they both back out of there. Yeah. It's interesting that Windstar owns both those horses. It's also interesting that Windstar owns Audible, who would have been, without a doubt, the second choice in this race. And they're not running in here because of Justify. When I, I actually think the way my boy Jack was bet down in the Derby from a thirty to one morning line to a five to one. Where's my boy Jack? Good that question. horse would have been a second or third choice in here. I thought the two biggest threats exiting the Kentucky Derby were Audible and My Boy Jack, two horses that were making up ground in yeah. the lane and should love the distance. Those are the two biggest threats. Because of the Windstar, because of whatever, they opt elsewhere. Maybe just justifies that big of a freak. I know D. Wayne Lucas, who trains Bravazzo, actually said he's hoping for a storm and a lightning strike. Another <laughs> trainer <laughs> says he needs a lightning strike to That's beat gamesmanship. Don't he, believe he the word he's He just may be a big better. He, it's gamesmanship because him and Baffert are buddies, and he's trying to put a little more pressure on Bob and I love it. Justifies the best athlete. I mean, in the, he's M- phenomenal. In the he is NBA phenomenal. finals, LeBron James is the best athlete, but he's not going to win the title. So what I'm getting at here, I know it's apples and oranges, but simplistically speaking, and we're not necessarily talking about a win bet here at below even money, Justify is absolutely the best athlete. No question. He is absolutely the best three-year-old. His jockey is absolutely the best at big spots. This just isn't the right spot, though. Maybe I don't three know. races in five weeks. That's the only reason you can try to beat him. Because if this well, is then you can't if all like things, Bravazzo. I mean, if, if it's the three races in five in five weeks, I like man. Hofburg because of that. I think that the only reason you can make up uh, in your mind is you look at it, anyone can look at the racing form and see the buyer speed figures and say justify is three lengths better than any horse in the gate. It's not. It's not complicated, folks, but. Hopberg, 
Vino Rosso, Noble. Mm-hmm. These are horses that the pattern, as Church talked about, fits. Yeah. Run in the Derby because those are the best 20 horses yeah. in this year's crop. The horses that qualify for the Derby have to get there by qualifying with the proper point total. They're the best 20. They they skip the Preakness. This horse going for Triple Crown Immortality runs a hard race to Brian's point in the Preakness, and maybe that's the great equalizer. If all things are equal and these horses are all fresh, he wins by six. Yeah. But they're not, and that's why see, every race is its own handicapping puzzle. And see, this is what, what makes our game so compelling, is it's an opinion-based game, and then they open the gate, they run the race, and we can see whose opinion was right and not. Yep. But but when it comes when it comes to triple crown immortality, is it's my opinion doesn't make it right. That's why it's an opinion. Is in winning for justify if he wins the Belmont Stakes, he absolutely is one of the great three year olds in the history of horse racing. No doubt about it. And here's here's why I lay it out because remember into the Derby we sat in here and we heard all the national experts talk about the depth of the three year old class. How there are so many talented horses. This is a super deep Kentucky Derby when it comes to not only now talent, but long form talent. He beat him. So now he goes, he cuts back, goes to the preakness. And and we know this. I mean, you you guys analyze races, and and Kevin, you've called a bunch of races. When horses get in a speed battle and they're going fast and they're beating each other up, they rarely hold on. So he puts away good magic and has enough left to to hold on the on charging two coming at him. I mean, sheer class, sheer class, fortitude, the whole thing. If he comes back off that and wins this, there's. I mean, the, for for my money, the Preakness. I mean, you have Cigar in in certain races. You have a Razi in in that that two year old race and so on. Justifies victory in the Preakness for me was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in my life in horse racing. The reason I'll take it down maybe a notch is the fractions weren't all that fast, but to your point, horses are competitive by nature, and when they're eyeball to eyeball the entire race, it takes a toll. And those were the two most talented horses in that race. You got the absolute A-game from Good Magic, the two-year-old champion. Yeah. Finally puts that horse away, and people are like, well, look at Bravazo. Well, look at Tenfold. Don't be fooled. It isn't about the distance. It's about that horse going eyeball to eyeball with good magic. Yeah. And he was he was vulnerable late, and he still found a way to win, so he showed his class. And, and I've always said it as a handicapper. I'd rather be going fast on a loose lead, faster on a loose lead, than going a little bit slower and looking eye to eye. No question. Horse. Dueling is awfully difficult, and he literally dueled good magic right into the ground. So at the racetrack tomorrow, we start at 1245. We have the Belmont Stakes at Canterbury. Uh, we uh, we have bulldog racing between uh, horse races, and we have the Budweiser Clydesdales on display. Uh, if you can't get to the racetrack Saturday to bet the Belmont, you can advance wager it right now. Right now, if you're coming to Canterbury tonight, six thirty or whatever, live music, you can advance wager all of Saturday right now. Best of luck to you guys. Ba, I'll see you tonight. See you tonight. See you, boys. Be right back. You're listening to PA and Charge. It's a Friday football feast, 9 to noon on The Fan. You're listening to The Fan. Portions of 9 to noon brought to you by Mosquito Shield. Of course, Mosquito Shield Monday. Tune in Mondays for your chance to win a free spray, courtesy of our friends at Mosquito Shield. I feel so blue. Mm. 
I ain't trying to bore you here, but um, I know you appreciate angles, and I've been wanting to uh, wanted Acute, to obtuse. I I yeah. right. I mean, you name an angle. Yeah. I yes. wanted to discuss this with you. Uh-huh. All right. Now I got back from Las Vegas yesterday. Here we are today. Yeah. And and and, and I've said this before. When I go to Las Vegas, it's given I don't drink. I go to bed at a relatively early... I mean, I don't do Vegas the way most people do. Yeah, Like you said, you don't lampshade Vegas. Right. I like the restaurants. Mm-hmm. I like the vibe, the stimulation, the You don't buzz. go to shows. I've never seen you or heard of you go to a show. Um, Yeah, a few times I have. There, There's a show at Caesars called Absinthe. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I've seen it, it twice. I have too. It's fantastic. I've seen Rod Stewart, Elton John... Um. Van Morrison, yeah, really? I've seen. I've, I saw Prince at. Um, I saw Prince at the Rio at the Voodoo Lounge. You did? How was yeah. that? Many years ago. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So I mean, if it's the right show, I'll go, and if I'm there the right amount of time, which right. typically includes loud Bon Jovi music and champagne rooms, right? I four, mean, those are your shows. Four uh, four days for me, not enough. I need. I want to go there for ten consecutive days, Ugh. and I'm going to construct it so that I do. How? And maybe in the very near future, I'll figure it out. I haven't figured well, it out yet, but I will. Well, the future's got to be next year. Next you year. You can't take 10 days off between now and the end of this Says year. who? How would you structure that? I have vacation you've the, days. You've got you've three jobs rolling into what, town. What am I talking to, Jeff Tyler? Can I tell yes. my freaking story? My God. So from, from an angle standpoint, <laughs> from an angle standpoint, uh-huh. Wednesday, yours truly, massive wager Atlanta Braves. All right. Handicapped it, put a lot of time the night before into scoresandodds.com, trends, mirages, whole thing. Braves beat the Padres Tuesday night like 14-2. So again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm watching more baseball than Abner Doubleday. So I'm pretty secure with what happens to lineups when you go one through three, four through six, seven through nine. Yeah. Um, And with Atlanta, I was mostly comfortable with the situation. Their pitcher, Fultonowitz, was their ace. Over his last five or ten starts, uh, walks and hits per innings pitched, earn run average, all, all the metrics added up. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's minus 130 on the road. Braves are not the greatest hitting team ever, and they just scored 14 the night before. But minus 130-ish, I'm cool with that. I had a major pitching matchup, which I'll get to momentarily. Make the wager. It's a 12:45 Pacific game. Mm. Make the wager. Lay out by the pool a little bit. Come back. Sweat Nationals. Sweat Orioles. Mets. Blah, blah, blah. Look up at the... Um, I look up at the betting board an hour, 90 minutes before the game. The Padres are minus 110. And the Braves are even. Mm. So, in a 90-minute span... That's a big move. Of course, after I made my wager... Yes. It goes from Braves minus 130... To Padres minus one ten. What? Yep. And All right. So that's a legit. It's and now. It doesn't take a ton of cash Wednesday at eleven in the morning. Yeah. But it takes bets and mass. So so like you know, charge bets five grand on San Diego. Nordo rolls up. That's eight. It just kept coming, so it flipped the odds. All right. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. And yours truly bet right into the teeth of the sharp baseball player's best bet in the last month. <laughs> and and I learned all that 
because later in the day, Wabi and I went to see Brent Musburger and Vegas Stats and Information Network. Yes. Now, Brent didn't necessarily share this with us, but his co-hosts, the person who lays the odds at South Point, and other people were like, well, here's what you bet into, here's why it went down, and here's why you took that and massive I loss. I want to know, I mean, because when this stuff happens, I always want to know why. Honey, what do they know that I don't know? San Diego won the game 3-1. All, All right. right, so the Braves were completely punchless. Here's the deal. Because I play the Braves at minus 130. Mm-hmm. They have their ace against a bullpen guy for the San Diego Padres. They were in a weird spot because of injuries where they needed a spot starter. Yeah. So I even read the story. We're going to start this bullpen guy. Hopefully get two out of him. But we <laughs> expect to use six to eight pitchers today. Jeez. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, okay, I know the bit. Yeah. I've looked at the lineups at rotowire.com. I've looked at the lineups. Yeah. The Braves' best guy, Freddie Freeman, is in. And the Braves have their ace, Fultonowitz. Mm. So it's down at pick. I double up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm offended now. Right. I'm. A, I don't care what what the sharp angle is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm right. offended. Yeah. So I, I double up. Yeah. Long story longer. I lost twenty percent of my beginning bankroll on this trip. And on that game. Well, no. On uh, overall. Oh, okay. And this game had a lot to do with it. First time I've lost. It's the first time in the last four trips I've lost in Las Vegas. Mm. So I take it personally. So we get to we get to Vegas Stats and Information Network talking to these guys. Look look at this game. It just ended. Here's here are my tickets. I lost. Why the steam? What happened? Yeah, what yes. I want to know. Brilliant angle. The baseball sharps took the stance that because Atlanta has one legitimate hitter, mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman, and then a bunch of ham and eggers who can get it done on a given day, the fact that they will never get Two times through on a pitcher is going uh, to tilt the game the way of the of the, the underdog. All right, because every pitcher's going two innings, right? Okay, and San Diego will go through the Braves' ace two, maybe three times. Yeah, so they're going to scratch out one or two. All right, which they did. Huh. and it and it happened the second time through against your guy Faulty. Wow, but the fact that the the Padre the Braves batters never. Will get a second look at the same guy. Chips. That was all it. In. That was it. All in. And they moved it from 130 to minus 110. And they were right. It's a 40 cent move in 90 minutes, and they were right. They were right. And I bet right into the teeth of the freaking sharps. Yeah. Doubled my bet because I was offended they knew more than me. <laughs> and I took a capital L and it swung my trip. So let's say yeah. next time you're out there. You make a similar wager and you see the line move that much. Are you? Would you be inclined to hedge next time and go? Well, the sharps have got some angle. No. I don't know. No. If I make the bet and there's a major like like I had the Warriors that same night. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I wasn't going to bet the game because the point spread was too high for me. Mm-hmm. It was minus five when it got down to Warriors minus three. I'm like, this is this is getting offensive. <laughs> This is a freak. This is unbelievable. This is actually happening a half hour up to the game. Went and mashed Golden State. Minus three. Are you kidding me? That's terrific value. So I would assume the smart money, the sharps, the big money, the whales, whatever, came in mashing on Cleveland. Yeah. They got beat. But that Wednesday, early afternoon, Padres Braves, that angle is, it's just, it makes the process. 
the handicap, the work, everything, so compelling. Mm. Even though I lost, mm-hmm. it's compelling things like that that kind of keep drawing me back. Now, when you place your baseball wagers, do you then kick your feet up in the sports book and just hunker down for three, four, five hours of baseball and watch pitch by pitch as your bets win or lose? From the beginning of Rays Nationals Wednesday, mm-hmm. 10 a.m. Vegas time, yes, to the end of Warriors Cavaliers, <laughs> oh. I think Wabi and I stared at TVs for 13 consecutive hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was you, Dracula-like. Do you have a butt imprint in one of the chairs? Butt imprint! At the Planet Hollywood Sportsbook. Love you. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Paul Charchi and Fanball.com. I'm Paul Allen, Nordor Rap Show. Thanks to the Paddy Wagon for sponsoring the 9 to Noon Show Raps. Paddy Wagon, 61st and Nicollet. Go get it. <clears throat> Friday Feast features hockey and horses. Peter Vesey hates Doc Rivers and will happily name sources. Belmont Stakes takes Flatter Gorgon Aragoni. I'm in the fishbowl listening to Tony, Tony, Tony. Lay my head on your pillow. Tonight's game four. Thought of paying charge money kills me to the core. One more before LeBron closes the door. Charge, how on earth did you get that massive cold sore? Just kidding, I'm simply bitter. Rich get richer tonight. I'll be live bitching on Twitter. I'll be calling up the neighbor gal to come babysit so I can put on Charchi's doorstep a warm bag of shh. Get out of my face with that crazy stuff. Why don't you put your pants back on, Slappy? High fives for everybody. else to say. It's been a joy. Have a good night. PA and charge. There are many, many positives I can get out of this game. The game is over. Time for two more. Son of a. We lucky we got him. Podcast of today's show, visit the Paul Allen channel on the iHeartRadio app or go to KFAN.com.